The following programme is presented in its original form. It may contain some content or insensitive dialogue that does not reflect JFPN's corporate views. Rich, aka Bear, is a worked character and does not reflect the personal life of the actor portraying him. Jay is shoot and is completely oblivious to any fictional elements he may be presented with. This is because it is funny. JFA Podcast Network shows contain naughty language and controversial opinion. It's therefore intended for a mature audience. You can block access to this and other podcasts by not fucking listening to it. If you don't like us, go read a book or something. Listener discretion is advised. Beard and bear, beard and bear, beard and bear, beard and bear, beard and bear. Listening to the JFPN Network. It is the 21st of May. Probably listening to this on the Wednesday. What an event Money in the Bank certainly was. Coming down the aisle to the campus theme he has ever come down the aisle to. Weighing it up, Jay. It's Beard. And of course, already in the ring, weighing in at whatever I'm weighing in at. It's me, it's Rich. Just gonna, just gonna turn that absolutely wonderful, wonderful theme down because I do not actually like ABBA. Um, In fact, I hate them. There's a fictional element for you right there. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, that, that rich kid. No, no, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, Money in the Bank's main show. Um, we have we have both sat there and watched it today. Um, enjoyed it somewhat. Um, Jay, what were your initial what were your initial thoughts of Money in the Bank? Um, I mean, giving us a round off, but not spoiling any of the wonderful shows that we show that we have lined up for all of our audience today. I'm surprised. <laughs> the lead up to it was absolutely well, die, wasn't it? It was so, dog yeah, shit. No, yeah, I've, I'm actually surprised they pulled off quite a good pay per view. Yeah, no, here, um, if you want to call it that instead. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I am kind of, impressed. Yeah, quite good. You can colour me. You can colour me. Com- you can colour me completely impressed by all of it. To be honest, oh, I um, thought you were going to say shocked. Yeah, um, shocked is the other word as well. I mean, we've spent so long talking about the WWE and what an absolute shit show the main product is um so much so that i mean letting you guys in on a little secret we've actually discussed the possibility of dropping some elements of our main show content our main roster content in order to um in order to focus on stuff that isn't shit um however i really enjoyed this pay-per-view i hate to say it i really do hate to say it at this point because it gets to the point where you enjoy liking um hating something doesn't it? I hate it so much. I like it because it's good at the end. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, crown jewel experience that we're all quite familiar with at this stage. <laughs> I don't know. 
it's definitely a surprise. Hopefully, you know, that's the things to come, but you can't really guarantee that with the WWE. No, you certainly, certainly cannot. Um, I mean, it's it's just to show how um, varied their um, actual output is nowadays. Um, not necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, well, actually, it is a bad thing. They're supposed to be the biggest company in the world, and it has taken money in the bank to really surprise us into liking them again, um, or at least enjoying something that they put out. Um, because everything since Mania has been absolute fucking garbage. Um, Money in the Bank main show. First off, did you watch the pre-show? No, but I know that the users won. Cool. <laughs> um, I know. Just um, if you watch, if you watch the pre-show and have any opinions on the match, please feel free to contact us. We are available on all of the usual places. I do not have the list up right now, so I am not going Spotify. to read through. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Have you ever used Spotify? No. <laughs> oh, it's like it's just the one Google. you remember. Yeah, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, yeah, um, Stitcher. Spotify. Yep, all of all of these different places. You know. We are certainly certainly there. Um, I everywhere. would log in and find out. Yeah, yeah, I would log in and find out exactly where we are. Um, you just Google JFPN, you should be able to find us. Um, well, yeah, you can Google JFPN, you can Google Beard and Bear, you can Google pretty much anything. J-Fabe. Of course, you can find us. JFabe, yeah. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. One day that is going to become like muscle memory to me. That's what and I said. I'm not going to have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what you yeah. said. I mean, yeah. Why do I even bother? <laughs> that's the question. That's what I said. <laughs> I said Overcast. Uh, but... <laughs> We had a warm open to the Money in the Bank main show, of course, um, starting with the women's um, Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, Nikki Cross introduced first. Coming down looking like an excited child, (laughs) wanting to play with the toys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's Nikki Cross for you, isn't it? Um, I I like Nikki Cross's um, introduction. She's always fairly good. Um, The opening trail was okay. Um, Just the one that leads you into the pay-per-view. Nice use of green. Overuse of belts in storylines kind of highlighted here, along with the scramble to ensure that they have archive shots of every competitor climbing the ladder, even those who haven't competed in or won a Money in the Bank ladder match before explains why so many ladders were in play on monday night raw the week before um card obviously is starting with the woman's money in the bank as i said the arena looks huge which um is of course the xl center that's in hartford connecticut just gonna get some numbers because i know everybody absolutely loves numbers um the xl center it can hold Upwards of da, 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 something. A lot. Um, it has a capacity of 15,000, so I mean, it's a bigger arena um, for WWE um, than usual. This kind of backs up their. Um, this kind of backs up their push to make um, make money in the bank. Kind of the fifth, the fifth big pay per view, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it definitely has become that. Mm-hmm. You'll probably end up seeing bigger crowds the years to come. So. Yeah. 
I mean, judging by the performance of um, Money in the Bank overall, it's probably going to be the pay-per-view that I look forward to the most moving forward, if I'm utterly honest. Um, I mean, maybe it's just me, but this uh, I I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed WrestleMania. Um, Amber Moon. Hmm. She's. Um, you've noted here that she's lost in the shuffle, and I can't. I can't disagree with. I can't agree with you more. No one um, cares anymore. Is, she is lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because she has such a unique character. But I mean, I noticed when she was running down the aisle. Um, her character is no longer a character, it's a costume. She puts on her costume and um, wanders down the ring shouting standard things that you would expect anybody to shout um, about how this is what's up and similar. Um, not necessarily not necessarily that impactful um, as a female superstar, which is a shame considering that she has such a unique gimmick and look at and this Arsenal. stage. Would you say? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she's a, basically, if she was positioned right in the company, she would be a high-flying um, Undertaker or Edge type, um, like yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Late yeah. '90s Edge type, yeah. yeah. Um, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. Um, yeah. Jay Brooke needs to retire. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm letting you. Uh, I'm letting you say that one. Yeah. No, she. I wouldn't even say she lost in the shuffle. I don't even know why she's in this match. Um, kind of bottom of the pile. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably fair. Um, doesn't bring Natalia, much to the table. So. Yeah, she she doesn't she doesn't amazingly um, do that much. Um, Natalia, thoughts on her? Uh, yeah, so Natalia should be able to carry the match. Um, actually, the vet, but we've seen the Royal Rumble and the first Money in the Ladder, ladder Money in the Ladder Bank ladder match. That made no sense. Um, money she, in the Bank ladder match isn't capable of doing that. So yeah, that's hmm. just my thoughts. What do you think? Um, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do rightly know, of course, that Bailey needs the win at this stage. Um, I think I think that's probably a fair fair assessment. Um, I mean, it's certainly certainly needed um, for her character to kind of move beyond um, the politics and issues that kind of occurred post WrestleMania. Um, Crowds sound dead as fuck for this. I don't know whether this is the size of the XL Center because it is extra large, obviously. Um, they don't really sound like they're popping for anyone. Um, maybe it's maybe it's just too the early. It's early. Just waking kind of up, you know. <laughs> yeah, that could that could exactly be it. Um, I did hear um, I did hear someone postulate the other day um, that. WWE, when they went PG, they kind of wanted Disney on ice. And now they've got Disney on ice, they they don't get as much kind of reaction um, because the majority of people who are there are more of a casual audience who are there for their kids. Um, I, I, I kind of feel that a bit at times. Um, anyway, match starts. Um, Nikki Cross traps Carmella and Dana Brooke under the ring apron fairly soon. She grabs a ladder, starts attacking other competitors. Um, first ladder to enter the ring. Pretty decent way to keep Nikki Cross in front of an audience who may not be that used to her. Um, her utilization has been scattershot at best over the last um, couple of months. Is Would you say that that's a fair assessment? I would say so, but um, putting it with Alexa Bliss is going to give a lot more TV time. 
the people yeah, of course. Know the character. Yeah, I mean, she is one of the people who does have a distinct character, um, and as a result, I think that she should she should be able to display that front and centre. Um, this could possibly be the reason why um, why Emma Moon is not quite as front and centre as she um, possibly could be, because no, she's got both of them have a similar kind of dark character, except um, I don't think Emma Moon necessarily has um, as good a mic skills as Nikki Cross. She doesn't embody that character as much in a movement or or similar um, at this stage. Possibly a bit more time. Um, she will become the bigger of the two stars, but at this stage, she is lost in the shuffle. Um, soon we get to the spot section of the Money in the Bank ladder match, <laughs> which is all of it. <laughs> no, but I'm going to use the ladder well. She takes a few wrestlers out. Dana Brooke takes a quite a big bump off the ladder straight into her face. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, we someone we haven't mentioned yet is Naomi, who is spotting an outfit that makes her look like Susie from 1990s Class Geek Supo TV series Rugrats, entering a costume contest as a bumblebee. Um, she runs along two ladders being held by four other competitors to do a shotgun dropkick to Mandy Rose. Um Quite a nice shot. The shotgun drop kick, uh, possibly not the hardest I've I mean, seen this month, but I have been watching a lot like of progress a wrestling. One footed drop kick more than a shotgun drop kick. It looked like she slipped a bit on the ladders when she was coming off it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's understandable. They're just getting kind of used to the ring um, and the and the actual and the actual um, ladders. Yeah, the surroundings, as it were, it's a, it's an unusual type of match. Um, it would be a pain in the ass, obviously, if somebody missed such a drop kick um, in just a normal match. Um, we may discuss some of that later on. Looking in your direction, Becky Lynch. And after that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Naomi ended up in between the two ladders. It looked like they were going to crush in between the ladders. She ended up doing the splits. They ended up hitting each other with the ladders How and much? dropping them. So. How much would it suck to be Naomi in that situation, knowing that you have to do the splits to avoid getting your face caved in? Even, even like, there's no point in my working life where I ever expect that to happen to me. Uh, <laughs> it's just a bit of a weird position for like an actual human being to be put in. But that's just my thoughts. <laughs> um, Carmelo is taken away due to injury. Um, it's she seems to have been injured in her kayfabe bone, I guess. Um, I don't know. Regardless, um, she gets taken away by several officials. I have a feeling this was so we knew she wouldn't be in the running for a three-peat. Um, but as the match evolved, I realized that actually she was doing more of a Braun Strowman. She's so strong. She definitely needs to be taken out of the action for a while because otherwise she's definitely going to win kind of thing. Um, but, you know, let's us know that the women get as many competitors as the men having her in there. So glad she turned up. She had a good time. <laughs> she did. <laughs> and then back in the ring, up that's happening. Uh, you got um, Natalia and Mandy uh, crushing Bailey in between a ladder while standing up. I mean, you normally see that when it's lying down and they just like lift the ladder up and crush them. But this was just closing the ladder on Bailey, which was quite yeah. innovative. I've not seen that done before. Yeah, I mean, it's something that everybody kind of 
everybody kind of thinks why don't you do that and then we finally actually see it kind of <laughs> kind of what 25 years after the first televised ladder match on WWE in, in WWE so I mean glad they kept that one to the side because it looked fairly fairly fucking painful to be honest and can you imagine if you got your arms caught in those little sidebars can you imagine like the actual the actual pinching that it would do um you know, not that you could sell that. <laughs> I mean, the danger, the danger here is is off the charts. Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose end up slowly climbing the ladder for a top of the ladder face-off. Dana ends up swinging off the case as well. Uh, she ends up back uh, yeah. on the ladder and then gets... That was a kind of really nicely controlled spot as well. Um, really like that. Um, I was thinking, are they going to move that ladder? Are they going to treat it like Jeff Hardy, where he has to fall all the way to the mat? (laughs) But she safely Um, got back onto the ladder, so she didn't have to take that massive, massive, massive bump. Yeah, I mean, uh, while while we're thinking about this, actually, while we're on this subject, um, have they actually made the have they made the prize in a ladder match a bit higher um, since they were originally kind of? It seems that that's like the thing is that like if you watch an old style ladder match back from you know say obviously the the famous example everybody pulls up is is WrestleMania ten, um, but. It look, it's like since the since the first ever um, tag team ladder match with Edge and Christian and the Hardys, it's like they've raised it quite substantially. Yeah, that um, is right. They have. Yeah, um, I don't know why I feel like pointing this out. It's probably everybody can see it. Just something that I wanted to kind of mention. I would not want to be stuck in that position with Dana Brooke. It's not something that I would. I would. It's not something that I would do if I was her. And I'm I'm known for my daredeviling ways. Um, Nikki Cross scrambles over Bailey to tease a steal. Um, Bailey, Natalia, Nikki, and Dana they topple softly into the rope before Ember Moon gets off the best-looking eclipse from an outside ladder I've seen. She jumps over the top rope, hits an eclipse. Um, looks really, really good. Best spot of the match. I mean, the stun is outstanding. The way she flipped off the ladder into the ring, um, yeah, it was it was um, pretty cool to see. Yeah, Eclipse Dog Millionaire. Eclipse Dog Millionaire. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she reversed out of a suplex from nobody, then hit the stunner from the, from the ladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Excellent. The invisible, the invisible man does it again. <laughs> oh dear me. So, <laughs> what happens next, Jay? <laughs> Mandy hits a double underhook slam on, on Amber Moon onto the ladder. Uh, this note system's great. I love it. I quite enjoyed doing <laughs> it today, actually. We were both doing it at the same time. It was quite cool. Anyway. Yeah, no, I've, 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 I thoroughly enjoy noting, noting a, good, a good podcast before we start. Um, Carmella does her Braun Strowman star return. Um, she beats Mandy Rose while limping just to, just to sell that injury to her kayfabe bone. Um, Sonia Deville comes into the ring and delivers the second worst spear in the business. Um, of course... Roman Reigns is on the card later. Um, enough said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Sonya Deville uh, gets Manny into the ring. She slowly climbs with her on her shoulders to the top of the ladder. And uh, then she tries yeah, to but... get the briefcase. 
She does. She reaches for the briefcase. Um, Bailey climbs up the other side of the ladder. She pushes Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville off to grab the money in the bank. The 2019 Money in the Bank Women's Ladder match winner was, of course, Bailey. Um, this follows with an in-ring promo from, um, well, two nameless women wearing a headache-inducing neon turtleneck. Um, I believe later on, rather than introducing herself in one of the numerous interviews she does, the New Day reveal that her name is Charlie. Um, say, hello, Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm glad that other people are there to do a job for her and introduce her to me, a member of the audience. Um, Bailey, she displays a new attitude, which, to be honest, took me a bit by surprise. I was waiting to see her cry and talk about how lucky she is to be here. Yeah, loving it. Loving the new attitude. Um, the serious side we haven't seen since NXT, I'd say. Um, uh, yeah. In her classic bounce against um, Sasha Banks. Yeah, um, I mean, it's good to see that attitude. I think, do you think that um, with the Sasha Banks thing and all of the shenanigans that followed that, do you think there's a possibility that they wanted something to kind of shake her up and thought that this was a good way of doing it? I mean, there's a, some people might lessen Bailey's achievement here and say that um, she was put in this role because Sasha Banks is, is currently um, is currently AWOL, as it were. Um, but I I wouldn't have been surprised if Bailey had ended up in this kind of situation anyway. Would you say that's fair? Um, obviously, if you're still in the tag team, there would have been a slower progression, but um, mm. obviously it's been shot forward since Sasha Banks has took a ball and gone home and not come back and looked like she's coming back. Um, Sasha Banks was promised a push if she came back. It looks like Bailey may have just taken that push. Um, um, possibly, possibly. I mean, either way... Yeah, Sasha Banks is probably kicking herself um, as we speak. The real question is, um, who do we get to win championships and cry now? Um, who do you reckon is going to be the next person to the next woman to win a championship and talk about how um, that it's it's incredible that Stephanie McMahon invented women's wrestling and isn't it great that they um, they allow women to do things like wrestle and drive now and all of that? Um, Dana Brooke. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, actually. <laughs> um, um, after this, uh, I mean, I almost spoiled it there, but there is a spoiler coming up in that Renee Young gives away the end of the show by saying tonight is the perfect opportunity for Bailey to cash in. Ha, 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 Yeah, thanks, Renee. <laughs> thanks for that. You're a great commentator. I hope you carry on doing it. Um, we see a recap of Sunny, Sami Zayn being thrown in a bin. Um, then a replay of Baron Corbin and Drew helping Sami Zayn. Uh, what? Have you have you messed with my notes, Jay? <laughs> I've done anything. <laughs> my notes here. So, then a replay of Baron Corbin and Drew help Sammy, Sammy Wayne bear brawn. There is no way I wrote my own name in the middle of a sentence as a typo. You have to have written that. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Okay, okay. <laughs> Berry. I think I think Jay was trying to spell Berry. Um, backstage. 
<laughs> we got to Triple H, who is apparently promoting money in the bank over a mobile phone call to... Well, actually, that's not actually that clear. Um, he's literally describing events that took place on the screen in an enthusiastic elevator pitch style, as if he was literally persuading someone over the phone to pay £9.99 to watch it on the network. This Vince makes McMahon. no sense. What the, Vince, McMahon. Vince McMahon. Why would he be talking to Vince McMahon over the phone about what Vince McMahon had no doubt just seen on screen? Because Triple H was in charge that night. You can clearly tell. So, <laughs> I rewatched this scene numerous times, and there was no one it could possibly be. He may as well have been whispering peas and carrots and carrots and peas into the phone like an amateur dramatics actor. His exact words were, at the money in the ladder, at the money in the bank ladder match, somebody like Bailey climbs the ladder, and you can feel the anticipation building. Why is this person not just watching it? Is there a Patreon somewhere where if you pay an extra dollar, Triple H will call you personally to describe what's happening on screen? This is horseshit, Triple H. Work better on your improv style, like me. Sami Zayn... Was that Taz? <laughs> sounded just like Taz. That did not sound just like Taz. Taz sounds very, very distinct and incredibly different, and he is a diverse member of a range of characters that we utilize um, across the JFPN network, One just second. like Triple uh, H. My name's Taz. Uh, my name's Triple H. Ah, my name's Enzo. <laughs> Sammy Zane interrupts looking for Shane Then says that they have a problem And it's Braun Strowman He's freaking out Triple H says Strowman is banned from the building Strowman is not banned from the building Although there is there is some question as to why Bother turning up at all But we'll get to that later um, It's like can you please sit in catering please for a bit And then um, yeah yeah, yeah that's pretty much Pretty much what goes on Um yeah, we'll talk about that later. Rey Mysterio seen taping up his wrists. Um, Dominic appears. Um, things to note here is that I love how Rey's mask has the word mask on it in case he misidentified it as an aardvark. Um, and also, no offense to Dominic, but if there's ever a future mask superstar who shouldn't have been seen without said mask, it's him. Uh, could you imagine the anticipation of un unmasking Dominic if he hadn't been seen since the I'm Your Pappy storyline? Every single wager match he did, either here, or abroad or on the indies would be an event to watch um, if the rumours are to be believed that Ray will be handing his mask off to his son who will then become Prince Mysterio then what is the point of us seeing the geeky kid underneath with his Harry Potter glasses first Jay thoughts on that don't know I want to see him wrestle see that he's good well, I suppose <laughs> I suppose but just give him a mask first makes more sense just see a mask on the forehead instead. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why Rey Mysterio has mask written on his mask because when he takes his mask off, that someone's tattooed face across his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> Just so he knows which one's which. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the next. <laughs> <laughs> the next match, of course, is Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio. Um, Joe looks ready to do what he does best. More on that later. Um, Ray, on the other hand, is dressed like a Christmas decoration. He's got nice red and green clothes on. Um, he's got one of those weird kind of singlets under trousers that people start doing when they get to be over 45 and start worrying a bit about how wrinkly their body is. Um, Joe does um, a great snap top rope senton and um, 
actually no, it just says Joe does a great snap. I should probably I should probably finish my thoughts. Um, <laughs> top rope senton um, spreads Joe's nose across his face. Was it a snap power slam? It was a snap power slam. Yeah, I forgot to write power slam. He's very good yeah, at those. no, it was really good. But yeah, no, um, he gets caught by top rope senton from um, Rey Mysterio. Literally, that is one of the most broken noses I've ever seen. It was so broken. Yeah. From Joe. Um, it was, it was on Joe. Pretty, pretty, pretty nasty with the blood and the... But I don't know why he stopped it. I mean, yeah, he's got a broken nose, but I'm pretty sure Joe's wrestled through worse than that before. He no-sold it like a god. Yep. Like, no-sold a broken fucking nose. That is a legendary no-sell right up there with Vince McMahon sliding in the ring and fucking up both of his... Whatever those muscles are called. What are they called? You know the ones. The ACL. The ones that Triple H tore. ACL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quads. Quads, that's it, yeah. <laughs> um, because apparently when you tear those, when you tear those, um, there's, they're like a tense muscle, so they just literally roll straight up your shin and peel off the bone. Nice. Um, and he just no-sold that. Um, across two this is kind of like that i can't imagine i can't imagine me ever breaking my nose in such a way and then not being like on the floor with my eyes closed going ah for like 20 minutes so yeah pretty good um joe goes for a power bomb mysterio reverses it with a hurricane rana um ray does a quick pin for the win yeah. uh, joe's shoulder is up of course yeah, no, yeah, he, the shoulder was up. So obviously he's going to get a rematch for that. A rematch. Yeah. Let's repeat the rematch again, as there's not yeah, going to be course. any rematches. No, there's all. always going to be rematches in the WWE because they love going to the same well numerous times. Um, of course, this is Joe doing what he does best, which is putting over yeah, smaller smaller wrestlers. Guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, no, I mean... To be yeah, fair, he's, what else been doing that, he's always had 50-50 matches where everyone is put over in that match. Um, you see a lot in TNA, apart from when he first came in and started squashing everyone. But after that, <laughs> you, see, you always <laughs> saw 50-50 matches with Joe, uh, booking-wise. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an honourable way to work. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, it will make him a bit more special if he was in, if he was in um, a company that didn't fifty-fifty book absolutely fucking everyone. But there you go. Um, obviously, Joe gets rather annoyed. He hits the origami um, and then does <laughs> another whilst making sure Dominic watches. Um, Joe has to tell Dominic at one point where to stand for the hard cam while he does his running sent on. Um, I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. I did not notice that. Ah. To be honest with you. Um, Maybe yeah, no, notes at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, the notes that you were writing there was that you were going to buy a Chromebook at some point, I believe. Yeah, yeah I'm going to buy a Chromebook yeah. to make this easy for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Then you might say more. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, me. We like to, well, we like to mess well, with each other here. Well, okay. Ron's <laughs> <laughs> uh, showing me while he's enjoying his banning from the building and walking around. <laughs> Well, I imagine to be a completely different building. Showing where's Sami Zayn at? I just took your oh, lines. No. It's actually the arena. Yeah, I know. You just took my lines. <laughs> now we're really, now we're really showing our hand to our audience, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it, we imagined it would be a completely different building, but no, it's actually the arena. Um, either Triple H was lying or WWE figured no one would remember it was said about nine minutes before. Um, it's probably that Triple H was lying, to be fair, um, to appease Sami Zayn. Um, but yeah, it's kind of kind of a bit of a lie that you're going to get caught out of, is it not, Triple H? I don't know. Um, Shane versus Miz. Jay, what were your thoughts going into this? <laughs> Well, this is going to be massive. It's got massive on the night. Really not all over it. <laughs> it's also my favourite feud in the E right now. Like yeah, right now. Um, I love it. Every every yeah, segment no, yeah, they but... do, every start of Raw and SmackDown that they're on, plugging themselves constantly every hmm. single Raw and SmackDown. It's... um. Yeah, it's it's lovely to see Shane um, get some TV time because he he was so very rarely got got it throughout no, his no, entire no. life with WWE. Um, yeah, no, it's. I mean, I'm I'm amazed he does so well in front of the camera, considering um, considering that he never gets to never gets to spend any time in front of it. Um, Although in the opening program, uh, in the opening promo, it does flash back to where Shane called Mrs. Dad a potato face, uh, which, from my perspective, from this point. Everything that happens in this feud is fucking pointless as it reached its peak at that very moment. As far as I'm concerned, whatever is about to happen in that ring, um, it cannot be improved by anything other than Shane coming down the aisle, standing in the cage and shouting potato face into the mic repeatedly. Um, (laughs) The Miz looks like a twat when he enters. Nothing new. Looks like an anime reject. I mean, then serious face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks like... I'll tell you what he looks like. Naruto mixed with, like, uh, Attack on Titan, kind of. Not Attack on Titan. I meant the other one. It's fine. I don't really know anime at well. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) he he basically... He's wearing that shirt where one side's one length and one side's the other, that that kind of jacket thing. So he looks like his left hand is dressing for Naruto and his right hand is dressing for Assassin's Creed. It makes no fucking sense. Um, It's an awful shirt. It's an awful jacket. And I think the Miz is a worse person for wearing it. Um, Shane (laughs) starts the match by attempting to leave the cage Um, Miz chases him around for the first few minutes Um, it seems like a lot longer but this continues before Miz hits some yes kicks they look better Um, they look better it's only taken three years but they do look better that's fair that's fair Um, he's generally He's over, isn't he? Miz. At this stage. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly. The last base turn that he had did not go so, so well. Uh, well, I suppose it's because be... he's got such a great heel against him. It's one of the best. Best in the world. Yeah, best in the world. Yeah. We hate you, Shane McMahon. Um, yeah, <sighs> one of those kicks get grabbed. Shane power bombs Miz into the cage. This flips the script on the first minutes of the match because, of course, now Shane is in control. Um, it then devolves into a back and forth piece, of course. Um, early on, the pinfall rule is established with a two count kickout. What's with the pins? What's with the pins in a cage match? I mean, cage match having pins, surely the aim is to escape from the cage. Right. Yeah. 
uh, I completely agree. Um, I hate this rule when it's enacted. Um, it's only really WWE that do enact it. The reason that they do enact it, um, as revealed by Bruce Pritchard on MLW Radio, is that they wanted to introduce it in the 90s um, because they didn't like the idea of a face trying to escape from the conflict, particularly Stone Cold Steve Austin. It made no sense for that to be his goal in a match. Um, it's a favoured way to get a face over in a cage match. As a result, um, I'm pretty sure... Um, St. Valentine's Day Massacre was kind of one of the last times that they actually had a face escape who wasn't massively outmatched by his opponent. And in that instance, it was because of um, the Big Show's interruption. Um, but no, that was pretty much the reason why they did it. I think it's absolute horseshit. Um, basically, anybody who's aware of its use know that the pinfall, if it's established, it's going to either be used or it's going to come into play at some point. And if it's going to be an escape finish, then they just fucking ignore it like it's never been in play. Um, and also, you know that if it is active, then the face is probably going to win um, because a heel won't get a clean victory over a face in a blow-off match like that. So... Yeah, or there's going to be some kind of shenanigans. I, I don't like it. I, I really don't fucking like it. Um, Corey states that he doesn't know why we're having this match. It echoes our sentiments. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, seeing a 49-year-old Shane dominate veteran Miz just kind of reeks of ego play. Shane goes for a coast-to-coast -coast way too early. Miz catches it going into a figure four. Um, the crowd <laughs> finally wakes up because it's their cue to do the Ric Flair style woos. Um, the story being told here is a simple one. Shane is trying to escape while the Miz desperately attempts high damage moves in order to force a pin or submission. Um, the chair. That was a, that was a fairly, I was fairly excited to see the chair. How about you? Oh yeah, the main uh, the chair being used helped further the story and the telling of the frustration, the storytelling frustration that the Miz had from weeks leading into the match. You know, with his storyline with his dad and his dad getting beat up, he finally gets the chair and they would suggest smash yeah. him on the back with it. This is exactly it. I mean, um, Shane reaches under the ring while he's trying to escape, grabs a chair that's obviously been placed there specifically for him. The Miz gets it off him and then hits him about ten times in the back unprotected. Just say that's yeah. about right. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, Shane gets his foot on the rope um, during a pin count shortly from after this. Crushing finale. From the school crushing finale onto a um, onto the chair. Really, really good spot. Um, really enjoyed the um, really enjoyed the school crushing finale onto the chair. Looked fairly brutal. Um, it's a fairly brutal move when you do when you do it like that. However, the pin the pin was broke by Shane putting his leg on the rope. It was established earlier as Shane tried to escape via a figure four leg lock that rope breaks are not counted. However, in this instance, the ref stops the pin count. Cole and Renee Young feign shock at this. However, the kayfabe story, i.e. if this is real kind of story, seems to be that Shane has told the referee, referee to rope break for him, but not the first time. So did he say this was specifically during pins and not, or did did Shane have that? Because Shane didn't communicate with the referee at any point, did he? In a uh, visible way. No, it all made no sense at all. Yeah, and made no absolutely no sense. Poorly communicated Which... to the audience. 
Um, as there is no match dialogue or indication that the ref is in cahoots with Shane, um, they start chanting bullshit. Cole identifies this as being the fans showing displeasure at the actions of Shane, as Shane hasn't done anything to cement a rope break rule in this match. Um, it's in direct contrast to what happened in the ring less than five minutes before. It's more likely the fans are chanting bullshit at yet another piece of inconsistent, nonsensical match booking. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah. I'm quite yeah, proud yeah. of. I'm yeah, quite proud of pointing that out. I, I totally really frustrated me. Yeah. Wind Back your neck in, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Wind your ego in, Shane. Yeah. God damn it. Get back in your box. <laughs> yeah. Get back in your box, little man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the little man was too far? Probably get back in your box was too far as well. So don't worry about it. Okay. Well. You know, worst comes to worst, we'll just have Does a blow off feud. Box? I don't even know. Um, I don't know. No, <laughs> maybe. He could have a box if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Just um, get inside it. <laughs> probably a gold-plated box. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. The reason that we're going off onto this tangent is because this match is fairly uninteresting. <laughs> Then it's back and forth on top of the cage. Shaman <laughs> uh, Man is thrown from a what position? Supine. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, supine, I'll get that. Yeah, 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 supine. Okay. Yeah. On the top of the cage. <laughs> yep. yep. Your go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is not flowing. Um, this follows it all with an incredibly safe looking top rope big splash, of course. Oh, after Shane applies a nasty-looking reverse triangle hold, that talk was that was quite nasty. He was yeah. all bent back, and yeah, that looked looked pretty cool. Yeah, the match continues back and forth. Um, Shane has an exit attempt through the door, missing shots. Shane into the cage. Shane counters it by climbing up. Miz captures Shane from a superplex at the top of the cage. However, Shane slips out of his shirt. He drops to the arena floor. Winner, once again, Shane McMahon. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't a bad match. Didn't need to happen. Didn't resolve anything. This is going to go to a SummerSlam, I'd say. Yeah, and we all can't wait to see this match for an umpteenth time. Um, you you didn't enjoy this when it first appeared, did you, really? I mean, no, when did it first no, appear? No. It feels like it was like, what? I mean, they started this off at Royal Rumble, did they? Did this angle start? Yeah. Yeah. Royal Rumble. We're now yeah. after WrestleMania. We're now moving into SummerSlam season. I guess, mm. nearly August, so yeah. They're moving to SummerSlam season, so it's the road to SummerSlam at the moment, so I don't see this ending anytime soon. Yeah, I don't either, and it's kind of sad. Um, but... It's okay because it's got the wild card rule, which means they can go back and forth on each show and carry it on. Yeah, carry it on week, day after day after day after day. Um, why, why don't they just put it on NXT as well? You might as well. Maybe they yeah. can. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they probably can. win the Maybe. 24-7 title and then they can just move around to the promotions and then they're on every single show trying to get that title. 
but they're both there <laughs> at the same time. Of course, you are mentioning the 24-7 title. Um, throughout this show, they do talk about Mick Foley, who will be appearing tomorrow night on Raw in order to introduce a new championship, which we now know is the 24-7 title. I just thought I'd throw um, that in there. <laughs> yeah, what were, what were your... Um, well, since we're here, what are your thoughts on the 24-7 title? Uh, 24-7 title. Uh, it's either going to be really good or really bad. Uh, it's mm-hmm. all going to be force count anywhere, isn't it? Yeah, force count anywhere. Um, so yeah, you can get pinned in basically, there, basically a hardcore championship without the hardcore. Um, without the hardcore, yeah. Yeah. I mean, does WWE need but, any more belts? No. But is it really? <laughs> is it? Does it really feel like a WWE belt, or does it feel like a CD that someone's etched twenty four seven on and then stuck on a green strap? Yep, but with it being able to go to any for any brand, you're gonna see it in every single brand, I guess. Mm. Cross brand belt. Cool. I don't, don't. I think know. I think it could work, but yeah. I mean, at the same time, I have a feeling that this is gonna get really kind of. I want to say screwy. The screwy is what I want to say. Because I've just got this feeling that you're going to get, you're going to get a match announced for the 24/7 title, and by the time it actually happens, either someone's going to change, either someone's going to have changed or won it, or the referee's going to win it, and then the next thing you know, it's going to be in the exact same state that the Hardcore Championship was in. And I think it's a very different time for the WWE now um, than it was 20 years ago when anything could happen. Um, it's much more regimented. I mean, the first champion was Titus O'Neil. Uh, the second champion was Robert Roode. <laughs> oh, did this already happen? Yeah, it Raw. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, has, has Robert Roode still got the title? I'm not sure, actually. Well, he was probably attacked in an airport or something by Drew McIntyre or uh, Hornswoggle. Or, you know... Oh, there we go. Yeah, Titus O'Neil ends up... He grabs the title to become the first ever WWE 24-7 champion, so no one got pinned. He just ended up grabbing it whilst other wrestlers try to grab it. Cool. That's uh, how that's how belts work. Yeah, and then Robert Roode pinned him. To be f- so, the to first be fair, pin was Robert Roode. Okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, that is how WWE works now. If somebody just turns up and grabs something, then they actually then they actually get to keep it. Um, anyway, this was a slightly okay match. It was botched by an inconsistency. We have the a match- third champion. Sorry. Oh. Our truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. the prestige the prestige of this belt I can mm. already feel it <laughs> this was a surprisingly okay match anyway it was botched by inconsistency the match didn't need to happen Michael Cole asked how are they going to explain what the official did tonight I can't tell if he's asking Corey Graves or whoever was in his headset they need new commentary style yeah I didn't enjoy it. It's kind of putting me to sleep at this point. Yeah, I. Who would you put in 
um, commentary at this stage and how much input would Vince have? Um, I think Vince needs to step away from the gorilla position. Um, I would either put Nigel McGuinness or Aiden English at the forefront. I quite like Aiden English. Um, he sometimes kind of oversteps his boundaries by um, by introducing words from Ernest Hemingway into the matches. I mean, this is WWE. You can get away with it in. You can get away with it on the Indies. You can't get away with it here. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't. No, mate. Just go for what Ronald McDonald said or Popeye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wendy's. Yeah, that's another place in America that sells fast food. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I, I actually initially, when I said Popeye, I didn't even make that connection. I was just thinking of the Popeye. All right. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, Crazy world we live in, Rich. <laughs> it really is. Uh, we cut to backstage where Sami Zayn is knocked out and tied upside down in a chicken wire fence. Um, why? Do, why are there so many chicken wire fences just just hanging up? Just just you know WWE arenas. Just carry around them, don't they? Get some chicken. Yeah, just make well, a chicken pen. It, put some chickens it, in it. Chicken I'm pretty wire. sure. It's the Raw is War chicken wire fence over black velvet from um, over from back in the kind of late late nineties, early noughties that they've just kind of got out of the got out of Connecticut's um, you know storeroom and just stuck up in a corner somewhere in order to do this spot without thinking that we might actually ask why the fuck it was there in the first place. But well, if you work you know. at WWE in the back in the backstage area, drop us a message in our box. Let us know why you've got it. Yeah, no, that would be absolutely yeah. great. We we are available. We are available on Anchor. You can drop a message there, or you can you can follow us on Twitter and also let us tweet us about it. Yeah, tweet us, tweet us. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's what all the kids are doing nowadays. Um, and apparently, it's cool. Velveteen <laughs> Dream promo for NXT, um, talking about what the next experience will be. Um, the fact that they are putting him at the front of NXT the entire, like, I mean, this time a year ago, if it was an NXT promo in the middle of a pay-per-view, what you get is kind of this whole, um, have you experienced the brilliance of NXT? The youngest fighters from around the globe. You know, you get all of that kind of bullshit. In this case, just, just show Velveteen Dream. Um, and I think that's kind of cool. It's, yeah, so you could probably see him moving up soon, I guess. Um, yeah, because, I well, mean... Maybe if... shown in a main event situation with an advert for Velveteen Dream and NXT. Um, that's really promoting both of them at the same time, so... Mm. It's it's interesting. It's very interesting um, that they have that level of faith in. Um, I I would have that level of faith in him um, if I was with WWE, of course. I think, the, do you know what the biggest shame about Velveteen Dream is? Big hats. <laughs> um, no, actually, surprisingly, um, as you know, I'm a big fan of big hats. No, um, the biggest shame—the <laughs> biggest shame about Velvety Dream—is the fact that we're probably never going to see him wrestle in a non-WWE ring and a non-WWE book match. Um, and I would love to see what he could do in even six months on the Indies, um, if I'm to be honest. Look it up. 
He was in the Indies before he went to the Performance Center. He's had matches in the Indies. Yeah, but he probably wasn't as good as he is now. And also, that would require me to do some research. You know that DDT does? That was his finisher in the Indies. Interesting. Um, I'll I'll have to look him up. Um, We will will have to find out. Um, Of course, there is... Patrick. Patrick something. What was his real name was? But yeah, you should probably... I will. Check it out, mate. Check I will it out. Find out. You'll hear all about my experiences checking it out at some point soon, I'm sure. Um, yeah, there's some yeah, respite there's... from a Michael Cole problem um, coming up, though. Um, it's very short, as this is followed by Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness, and Aiden English already at the commentary desk for our Cruiserweight Championship. It's like they teleported. Match. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, I assume that. I assume. Desk. Yeah, I can only assume that Michael <laughs> Cole um, needs to download his next match um, and just kind of, you know, stick it straight into him and he just unloads what's going to happen in the next match in the meantime um, by plugging his USB in. And... Maybe yeah. they put the Cruiserweight Championship on the main show so the other um, commentators can actually have a toilet break. Well, the other commentators that aren't, Michael Cole, obviously, is just watching that progress bar fill, isn't he? As the rest of <laughs> yeah, the night kind yeah. of comes into his into his head. Um, Tony Nice comes to the ring with the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, but personally, I don't dislike Tony Nice. Um, however, the reaction of the fans gives the impression that they are as aware as I am that this is a transitional champion with no one worth jobbing to. Do you do you share my thoughts on Tony Nice? Tony Nice. Um, yeah, he's, no, the, he's the champion. Really... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I know who Tony Nice is. His in-ring ability is is great, but you're um, not as possibly. Um, what was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's no no chemistry between them. And yeah. Sometimes you're only as good as the opponent you're facing. Mm. This is fair. This is fair. Um, Tony Nice. It showed in this match. It really showed in this match. Um, mm. Should Tony Nice be the champion? Probably. Probably not. That's that's fair. Um, they just. I think there are better people on that card um, than Tony Nice at this stage. Um, his opponent in this instance, though, is Aria Davari. He arrives in a Mercedes GT. Great piece of product placement from WWE. I don't know if that was intentional. I would usually see this car driven by drug dealers or dentists, and Aria Davari is certainly dressed like either. Um, so, yeah, you just can't decide which one. He's wearing a drug dealer's outfit, but in dentistry, white. It's, it's isn't, he, isn't he a pretty picture, Jay? Sure. <laughs> match establishes itself early on great back and forth early feel out touching and referencing elements of hello Emily or strong style 16 um, with flip out dodges on lariats that I haven't seen in a WWE ring at least on the main card for a very very long time I can't remember the last time I uh, someone did that Jay you'd like to correct me at this point I'm sure um, no what I want to say was this goes back to me saying um, that WWE are trying to monopolize an indie-based uh, wrestling with an hour show, just one hour a week. Is it working? Not really. Uh, is the product getting better week by week? Um, it is, I would say. But with Nice as the face of the brand, it's it's gone pretty stagnant, in my opinion. Um, I reckon they need to put the belt on Bennett. Uh, the guy's got all the tools. 
Mike Bennett, to of that course. Brand, to new heights. Well, Mike Nellis said you would know him in 205. Mm. I'm not a mark or anything. Yeah, no, you do. You don't. You don't come across <laughs> as someone who absolutely loves um, the Boston, Massachusetts star at all. Um, of course, Mike Bennett. He has grappled all around the shop, um, Ring of Honor, Top Rope Promotions, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, um, Neo Revolution Grappling, all the way to Pro Wrestling Experience and the Extreme Wrestling Alliance. He's he's got he's he's certainly got the tools to do that. Um, I just want to kick him whenever I see him, though. Just, just a little Why? bit. I don't know. Why? <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know. He just looks like a bit of a dick. <laughs> or is he just doing his job, Rich, at a heel? And that's I, I didn't even know him. it was a heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's mainly a heel. I've never really seen him out of a heel persona, to be honest with you. Hmm. Fair play. I mean, Tony Nice does have that backup though um, of the of the credentials. Obviously, um, Dragon Gate USA, um, United Gate Champion, um, with Trent Beretta, of course. So big name there, um, and Caleb Conley, who I've never heard of. Um, Family Wrestling Entertainment. He was the FWE Tag Team Champion. Um, Caleb Conley, uh, Conley was um, in the court of Lee with Tre- um, Trevor Lee. In TNA, and that's his tag team partner. Then, oh, okay, cool. Um, that makes sense. I have seen. I knew I'd seen his name somewhere else. Um, I believe he's currently um, known as Suicide. And is he playing the Suicide character? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really bad taste. Uh, suicide. There's some good suicides, but um. Yeah, I don't reckon he'll be... A, he isn't a good suicide. He's alright, actually. I mean, I've probably seen him as suicide. Mm. But he's not one of the better ones. Fair like Kaz. Or Christopher Daniels. Did you just say Taz? Kaz. Kazirin. Oh, okay. Okay, fair play. Um, Divari takes this match into its expected WWE style um, after some fairly fast back-and-forth action to start off. This is where he starts to slow it down. It just becomes another um, WWE old-style presentation in an already stacked card full of them. Um, He does dominate early. The match falls into that standard heel and face work, dominance, underhand tactics, attempts to mount an offense from a faster... um, face star <clears throat> what frustrates me about this is when wwe has an opportunity to showcase a different style with two competitors who are more than capable of going into a different method of storytelling it's fairly obvious they are not capable of allowing it with this archaic booking this story is the heel is the boring one slowing down the match while nice is the white meat who just needs to create space to flip about and turn the match into an entertaining one um Bit of a spot fest, but yeah, that's that seems to be what is going over. And as a result, um, this match is like um, kind of there was probably a good match in there at some point, but then Pat Patterson just decided to take a piss all over it. Um, there was a flub tie up and push away on the outside. Um, really kind of left Nice and his offense looking a bit amateur. Um, Blame probably lies with both com- competitors. They are not communicating enough in this match. Thoughts on that? The match was the worst Cruiserweight Championship match. Um, 
like I said before, sometimes you're only good as the talent you're facing. Um, sometimes, unlike other wrestlers, it can wrestle a blow up doll and make it the match over the year for their promotion, probably. Um, mm. <laughs> there seems to be uh, no chemistry at all between those two, and that's why the match fell flat. Yeah, yeah. Unlike so yeah, just um, touching on what you just said there. Yeah, unlike um, Yoshiko. Thoughts are with you, Yoshiko. You were one of the best opponents Kota Ibushi ever faced. Um, confuses me why, after <laughs> appearing on the pre-show for so long, this is the match they finally decide to use to showcase um, the cruiserweights on a main roster pay-per-view card. Um, nice wins it, obviously. Considering the amount of cruiserweight tag team matches, um, cruiserweight and tag team matches we've had on pre-shows um, and classic matches, they were as well. Austin Aries and Neville back at WrestleMania 34. Um, whatever was on the pre-show at the last WrestleMania. Um, yeah, pretty much anything with Neville in it, actually, when you really think about it. <laughs> Triple H and Brock. Last WrestleMania yeah. was when, when Nice won the title from Buddy Murphy, which was a good match. Yeah, Buddy Murphy. What's happened to Buddy Murphy, actually, while I'm thinking about he him? He is on the main roster now. He's on SmackDown. Not doing much. Oh, well, I'm glad they um, plucked him out of the relative infamy of 205 Live and dropped him straight into the relative obscurity of WWE superstars featuring SmackDown Live and Raw characters. Would that be a fair thing to say? Well done, WWE. Yeah, yeah, just... Why is it that when somebody moves up in your company, it's very often actually down? <laughs> that seems to be the case um, mm. for NXT and 205. Hopefully it won't be the case for NXT UK, mm. but we'll have to wait and see when someone actually does make it to the main roster. Yeah, that's fine. On that, Drew, Drew McIntyre has actually got asked to go to um, NXT UK because he wants to be a part of that scene for a bit. He has asked, has he? Yeah, sounds like so, yeah. sounds like he is missing the indies. I guess so. Or he just wants to have a match with Walter. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Walter. Um, Walter consistently impresses me um, every time I see him. He is one of the most promising stars that the WWE um, is flirting with at the moment, and possibly could end up being one of the biggest stars um, of his generation. Would you say that that's fair? Definitely got the ability to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's just to hope the bookings bookings behind him for it. Yeah, it does need the booking um, to be behind him for that to happen. Um, but no, I mean, you've got British Strong Style, um, obviously, and then you've got you've got Walter and Ringkamp um, and everybody who is a part of Thorium, as they're called now. Yeah. Um, everybody who's part of that um, scene at the moment is great, and I can see why Drew um, would want to go there. Uh, of course, you can hear all about our impressions of Walter and his um, match against Trent Seven at Super Strong Style 16, um, 16 Day 2 in our forthcoming um, episode on that. That will be broadcast. It will probably drop um, early this week, um, although... Well, actually, no, it'll be late this week now, but it will drop very, very shortly. It will be the next podcast you hear after this one. Um, it's podcast. It's day two, super strong style, 16. Jay, do you think we should have a break at this point? 
I think that's an amazing idea, Rich. Let's do that. Excellent. Well, excellent. <laughs> we're about an hour in. Um, when we come back, we will obviously talk about um, Becky versus Lacey. Um, the other matches that are also on this card, including AJ Styles and um, Seth Rollins. And, of course, Kofi Kingston's title match. Um and the men's money in the bank ladder match extravaganza extravaganza yes indeed um yeah see you soon hey bear what are you doing why beard i'm checking out anchor apple podcast google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocketcast radio republic and stitcher which is where you can find the beard and bear power hour what wow did, i know isn't it just amazing it is we're on so many different platforms i know were you aware we are also available on twitter and youtube crazy isn't it just that's why every single morning I like to go on those sites, unsubscribe, and then subscribe again so I can have that wonderful experience of subscribing over to and us. Over and again. Exactly. And you'll want to do that too. Definitely try subscribing. It feels great. And unsubscribing, subscribing again. <laughs> well, no, don't actually unsubscribe. <laughs> well, actually, just subscribe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, Thanks. We're, we're, we're happy to do that. Thanks. Bit of error. So Triple H and Braun talk backstage after this. Um, Trips confronts him about attacking Zayn. Um, Triple H asks Braun to leave. Braun says, whatever, man, and leaves. Um, a bit of a betrayal of Braun's character here. Do you not feel? Well, yeah, not being assistant, he would beat the crap out of Triple H and then go street fire his car up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, it kind, kind of, of strange, isn't it? It's very strange that Braun Strowman appears there, and um, as we find out later, he's essentially there to be a red herring um, for something much different that happens. Um, let's not spoil that part of the podcast. What could it be? <laughs> what could it possibly be? Um, this followed by an advert for Superstar Showdown. It looks like they've stolen um, my thing of mashing up music. Goldberg's music is played against The Undertaker's here. Um, Jay, do you think um, Beard and Bear has been influencing WWE sound department? Well, it certainly seems so. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Isn't they weren't that weird? doing this before, were they? They weren't doing this before. No, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe we are just ahead of the curve. Maybe that's it. Um, but no, WWE did it first, so... Yeah, no, of course they did. Of course they did. Um, Cole <laughs> comes back and says Sami Zayn has been taken to a local medical facility. Um, and, yeah, that's pretty much all that that section's for, really. Um, Becky versus Lacey is next. Um, Lacey gets a great Southern Bell promo introducing this entire thing it's not bad but i kind of miss a more dynamic nxt persona kind of the badass air force chick i don't know if you kind of felt that i mean she's always had a 50s thing going off i mean i felt like it had sex appeal also class but that's just lacey evans all over don't you agree rich um i don't know i couldn't speak much for sex appeal after all there was only ever one woman who had enough sex appeal for me. And now she's gone. She's long gone. And I don't think she's ever coming back, Jay. 
never coming back. Of course, she does come down to the ring in, in an outfit that appears to be a cross between Space Cowgirl and the concept of money. It's kind of interesting. Um, the man, on the other hand, still over. Um, fans in Connecticut are very pleased to see her. She looks great with two belts. Um, one of the more over superstars in the WWE at the moment. Would you say that that's oh, true? Not the over, the most over superstar yeah. in the WWE at the moment. I think that's probably probably fair. Um, of course, Green Shirt Guy was there, um, giving us all the way he from was. the front row. Um, he's one of our regular he's one of our regular friends of the show who likes to appear uh, <laughs> okay it's nothing to do with us at all he just likes to appear in the front row of wwe shows um and of course all you noticed time. you noticed vampire guy yeah vampire guy you did spot vampire guy he was wearing a hawaiian shirt he was off to the left of green shirt guy and he was with his mum's sister girlfriend Ah, uh, yes, mum, sister, girlfriend, and vampire guy yes. are yeah. two of our favorite members of the WWE audience. If you're um, vampire guy, is mum, sister, girlfriend, or, of course, green shirt man, please feel free to drop us a line. We will send you a T-shirt. It won't be a branded T-shirt. It's just a T-shirt <laughs> that doesn't fit me. <laughs> what color is that T-shirt? Orange. Excellent. Becky Two Belts uh, becomes the first chant of the night, which is audible. Um, Renee starts talking over it and is clearly told by a screaming Vince McMahon to wait for the bell before she continues. So it has that big fight feel. Um, Poor Renee Young. Always getting the neck, isn't she? Yeah, she really is. Um, Michael Michael Cole, of course, shows that he's definitely not a robot, which is something we are not and never will be, and says the following perfectly natural <laughs> sentence. You know, I had a sneak peek at WWE Network, WWE 24, Becky Lynch, the man, which airs immediately after Money in the Bank tonight on the WWE Network. I wonder whether they have had to add a RAM expansion in order to get such sentences out sounding so natural. Um, what a ridiculous way of presenting a product. Um, no offense to Michael Cole when he doesn't have Vince McMahon screaming in his ear. Um, like, for instance, with the UK um, tournament, he does a fairly good job as a commentator, does he not? Mm. I'm I mean, with someone no. like Nigel McGuinness <laughs> to play off him. Well, I mean, he does he does like completely mispronounce oh, okay. what moves are. Okay. Right, and, so you're um, about the actual tournament. No, he's actually all right there. He, yeah. He wasn't too bad. I wasn't too thrilled to see him, but it, it definitely worked. Yeah, his commentary was okay. Um, I mean, this is the thing. When when he's on the main roster, when he's doing this kind of stuff, and we are having to hear him say completely unnatural sentences like that, um, you know. Uh, Jay, will you be watching the WWE Network special, WWE 24, Becky Lynch, the man? At some point, I guess. Yeah? Because it's yeah. on the WWE Network. Is it? That's only nine ninety nine. Only nine ninety nine. Do you know progress is only five ninety nine? Is it? Yeah. We are not paid by progress in any way, but I find that a fascinating proposition. It is, um, and you also get different promotions on there as well. Such as ECCW. Yeah, Smash Smash Wrestling from yeah. Canada. Yeah, or, or Lucha, Forever. Lucha, Lucha Forever, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Um, really, really good value proposition because the value is quality and not somebody constantly ramming other products down your throat. Um, 
match spells outside um, after after a fairly fairly routine start. Becca Lynch uh, with a baseball slide to the outside, and then throws Lacey into the barricade. Yeah, um, I mean, Lacey kind of starts off the story of being overwhelmed by the level of intensity that's been offered by Becky. Um, she has improved a bit over the last month, although um, she's almost coming across as a convincing threat early in the match. Would you say that's fair? Well, yeah, I guess that what she said is true. She is learning as she goes along because she's looking really, really good in ring right now. Um, yeah, I was I mean, really surprised at the showing that she had. I think she looked fairly good. Um, she looked. I'm not as surprised as you are because I watched most of her run in NXT and I thought she was quite promising in that. Um, she was. I think, yeah, I th- but she definitely wasn't ready. No, but she's proving me wrong. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean it, it's it's understandable. It's understandable though when someone's first kind of main roster kind of appearance is is in a match type that they are not used to which is heavily improv-based like the Royal Rumble is and against a multitude of um, of opponents who may or may not be going into business for themselves at any given point to try and make themselves look as good as possible and not be lost in the shuffle. Um, I, I think maybe maybe she just wasn't ready for the shark tank, um, but with a consummate professional like Becky Lynch, it could be a case of could be a case of her being taken care of so that both both superstars come out of this winning. Yeah, no, you could be could be right there because obviously Becky Lynch can carry a match unlike Natalia. Yeah, um, she which she, she had that trouble with in Royal Rumble. Yeah, no, this is this is very true. Well, they um, had that trouble, trouble with Natalia in the Royal Rumble, should I say? Um, mm. Yeah, so that was dire, and this was a much needed step up for her. That's going to push her, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's um, it's definitely going to get people a bit more interested in what she has to offer moving forward. And maybe we can actually move to a point where she is not just walking down the aisle and smiling a bit. Um, she does eventually um, get outside the ring with Becky um, and tries to escape over the barricade. Nice um, reverting to the standard heel type persona of WWE. And then back in the ring, um, uh, Lacey has Becky Lynch down. She pulls a tissue from her shorts, dabs the sweat off it, then shoves it in her mouth. I thought it would have given her like instant heel heat, but the crowd was absolutely dead with that spot there. Yeah, um, I mean, there was, no booing. It, there was nothing. There's absolutely nothing. Played really well on telly. Um, yeah, I must it admit, did. it looked really good on TV. The um, commentators hammed it up a bit. Um, Renee Young kind of said that she was disgusting before she had actually shoved it in her mouth, so she was obviously reading a bit ahead on her script. Um, poor, poor Renee Young. Um, Becky comes back. <laughs> and She's still got a job. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> they thought about getting rid of her, but they've, they've kept her on. It's, it's fine. Yeah, no, that's cool, because obviously <laughs> they don't want her to become a heel manager to John Moxley in the greener pastures that he soon wanders around in. Um, Becky comes back and mounts top rope, diving Lariat. Lacey is too far back and ends up being a forearm. Um, This comes back into play shortly after when Becky attempts a shotgun drop kick from the same position, and Lacey is again a bit too far back. Um, Do you reckon this is just Lacey's not used to the not used to the big ring or maybe she overestimated how far Becky could jump, but it's definitely Lacey's fault, isn't it? 
Is the NXT ring smaller than the one? Um, I don't think show? so. As far as I'm aware, they're both, so, no. they're both standard 20 by 20s. And they all train in 20 by 20s, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah, just maybe just fucked it up a little bit. Yeah, probably. Um, back and forth continues. Roll up. Ref forgets to count. Disarm her for the win. Um, this finish, Jay. Yeah, it was definitely fucked up, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, she goes for a roll-up. The referee doesn't count, switches position halfway through when there should be a count, and... Um, and didn't look smooth at all. Didn't yeah, look at smooth. At the end there, Lacey did look a bit lost for what she was meant to be doing. Well, I think I think who would have been more lost over that would have been the referee. Why wasn't the referee counting? Um, wasn't he near the ropes, like... For some reason, well, at that point, when yeah, the count was, was happening yeah. and the transition happened, he was out of he was out of position in regards to the rope. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was just maybe they were a bit too far into the ring and he couldn't slide around, so he had to go around the pair of their backs, as it were. But either way, didn't work. Um, Corey mentions this um, by actually counting the pin and getting to five during the replay. Um, Michael Cole stays silent. Um, Renee tries <laughs> to interject, um, but obviously just makes noises. Bless her. <laughs> Charlotte comes to the ring, challenges Becky to face her now. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be ragging so much on Renee. I really don't. It's just, bless her. <laughs> just what, what can you say? <laughs> right, okay, back in the game. Back in the game, right, yeah, no. Back in the game. <laughs> so yeah. Charlotte Charlotte does come down the aisle. Um, her music hits, fans go fairly mental, so it's almost as if they were waiting for Charlotte, to be honest. It looks like she's the one um, that the Connecticut fans really love. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, I believe you're the one that called this um, on the last podcast. I thought it was going down slightly differently. Yeah, I mentioned, no, yeah. I mentioned that um, I, I most likely thought that Charlotte was going to be the one out of the two to win with um, with um, Lacey Evans going first. I didn't expect it to be straight one after the other, to be honest, but that's, you know. Oh, okay. Um, but I did expect um, it to be fairly close together and Charlotte to win um, the second match. But wasn't Becky's expression priceless? Yeah. Um, it was like, I was a bit shocked. But then it turned into, it turned into like a let's go kind of expression. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great character work from Becky. Um, really, really like it. Um, and I, to be honest, she's got one of those faces that I, I, I genuinely enjoy watching, which again, um, is unusual for me for the aforementioned reasons. So, yeah. Mm. Um, there's a back and forth to start. Becky Lynch surprisingly misses a second rope, big splash to a stood up Charlotte flair. Um, I, I've never understood why this yeah. happens. Yeah, no, I mean, kayfabe, this shows, like, Becky's um, fatigue. 
um, a misjudging, I guess, in kayfabe. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, sometimes when I'm tired, um, I I see <laughs> I see people who are laid out as if they're stood up because my brain stops <laughs> stops working out the horizontal latitude of people. Um, you mean she could have gone for a clothesline? She she know. could have gone for a clothesline, um, but she didn't. Yeah, she went for that. she went for a big splash day <laughs> onto onto the space of ring directly in front of a stud Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so the walls of Florico um, happened shortly after this, uh, which is of course a step up, um, a step up um, Boston Crab, um, which is why I call it the walls of Florico. Um, He's got no, so it's all right to use. Yeah, yeah, that's. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with He's it. He's an AEW. Yeah. He's got his new finisher. You know. Yeah. Um, spinning back elbow. Is it a back elbow? <laughs> yeah, spinning back elbow called the Judas something. I can't remember what the name is now. The Ju- the Judas in my album. The the exactly. The, is it called? <laughs> is it called the Judas is as just is just as good as seek and destroy? <laughs> it is. It yeah, is. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. He's that's, got like. What was going like a with? vignette as well doing like MMA training, so you may see a different Arsenal coming from Chris Jericho. I'm very interested in double or nothing. Um, how about you? Yeah, no, I actually am quite interested in that. Obviously, we won't see uh, Pack versus Hangman Page as they had their match in Nottingham at WrestleGate down the road from me. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah, Hangman Page was there. Uh, they had their match there because uh, Pack decided that he didn't want to lose, and uh, he's said he's not doing double or nothing due, due to creative differences. He hasn't lost a match since he won his title at Dragon Gate, so he didn't wow. want to lose then. So they had a DQ finish at Dragon Gate, and that is now on YouTube. You can watch that match. I will watch that match. Um, Double or Nothing, of course, that is um, from Las Vegas. That is going to be next Saturday. Um, Me and Jay will be watching it in its entirety and doing this type of breakdown. This will be in place of the usual show where we talk about what happened um, on the Monday Night Raw after um, Money in the Bank. Here's a hint. It's pretty much the same as what happened on the week before. So we're just going to do double or nothing next week. Does that sound good, Jay? Raw seems quite different this week, but yeah, that's fun. Okay, um, well, we can always <laughs> sum it up in our pre-show. Um, we'll be summing up Monday Night Raw in our pre-show um, for Double or Nothing, which will happen at some point this week. And then soon all the indies will stop having stuff on and we will struggle to find where our next piece of content comes from. But these last couple of weeks have been quite heavy. I don't heavy, think they? that's going to be a problem. Do you not? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, me neither. Me neither. I seem to be on a run at the moment. I seem to be on a bit of a roll. <laughs> we're going to get on Uncharted Territory as well. Yeah. From Beyond Wrestling. Yeah, I think we need to cover that. It's a really good show. Oh, excellent. I will I will get involved. Um that is what's that available on? You know, you just need to watch wrestling. Oh. Okay. Um that's yeah, I I probably should just start watching a bit more wrestling. Yeah, um, I think or, you just, or watch just wrestling. watching wrestling, yeah. Yeah. Or watch yeah. or watch some wrestling. Um yeah. <clears throat> They added a strong style standoff, didn't they, Jay? <laughs> in the middle of the ring they you did, they did. Say, they added yeah. a strong style stunner yeah in the centre of the ring uh, Becky got the upper hand it wasn't like a full on one but you, you saw the back and forth and the bit of a uh, going yeah. off there like she had the fighting spirit 
Um, in the center of the ring, upper hand, that was Becky. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but soon lost that. Uh, on the apron where Charlotte hits a natural selection. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. really nice, really nice kind of shorter kind of sequence um, going on here. I mean, there's a lot for the audience to take in in this segment, as we'll soon work out. But no, no. generally quite nice. Um, Lacey, um, of course, at this Becky stage. Becky back in. Yeah. Um, she, she goes to the ropes. Um, near the entrance, um, the rampway, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, Lacey smacks her in the face with the rim is right. Yeah. Um, really, really kind of nice um, kind of whack given to her there. Uh, Charlotte obviously comes over to capitalize. Becky rolls her up for a small package, which is clearly a three count. The referee counts one, two, and then pauses while he waits for them to do something. Um, Charlotte fails to kick out of it. Um, referee fails to count the three. Um, one of these days, Becky will be involved in the finish to a match on a pay-per-view that doesn't look like complete dog shit, but it certainly is not today. Um, Charlotte pins Lynch for the win. Um, that... on, I guess you called it, Rich. Yeah, I guess, guess, guess I did. Of course, what I didn't call um, was that Becky would um, attack Lacey. Charlotte and Lacey double-team her on the outside. And then Bailey runs down the aisle, clutching her money in the bank briefcase um, and attacks both of them. Um, that... Uh, were you were you surprised to see Bailey, um, you know, in that alternative universe where you didn't read all of the results before you watched it? <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Um, yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, she came down to help Becky Lynch, obviously, mm. four, four horse women. Got a thing with Charlotte, still friends with Becky, kayfabe, real life, blah, blah. Um, Mm. And then, yeah, help them help Becky um, go against it. She takes, she took out um, Lacey Evans. She takes out Lacey Evans, yeah. Um, and then Charlotte goes back for more. Both are prone on the ground because um, Charlotte Charlotte hits both, doesn't she, and manages to um, manages to get both down. Um, Bailey right. Bailey dodges this, rams her into the second turnbuckle, knocking Charlotte out. Um, there's this great moment, which I think is probably the moment of the night, as far as I'm concerned, which is this moment of realization where where Becky realizes she's got the champion knocked out in the middle of the ring. She's holding the money in the bank briefcase. And then very quickly, you realize that it's flowing over the arena and they all start chanting, cash it in. Um, for me, this is the yeah. perfect cash in. Yeah, no, this gave me goosebumps watching it. Yeah, actually. Really, really good. Uh, really my dad was sitting here actually and he was like cash it in just cash it in <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, probably one of the better angles of the night possibly one of the better angles on a money in the bank show very rarely do you i think this is only the second time that a money in the bank championship has been cashed in on the night um of course bailey cashes it in she elbow drops counts it one two three really really well played really well choreographed um she is very much over at least in hartford um and judging by opposers around the ring how well she played she worked the cameras afterwards and made sure that um and made sure that she looked great throughout as she celebrated with the fans um she looks ready for this she is obviously 
been ready for this for a while, but she looks she looks like she's at the perfect point in her career for this to happen. But definitely, and now she's the uh, Grand Slam champion, isn't she? She's the first women to hold NXT Raw Tag Team Championships and now the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah. Um, absolutely great moment. Really well put together. At this point, Sasha is definitely kicking herself. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's, she's definitely kicking herself. I mean, Bailey got punished for the actions after WrestleMania, but now she is the champ and a Grand Slam champ at that. Yeah. Um, first ever woman's Grand Slam throughout the business. Um, well, throughout the, the WWE portion of the business. So, yeah, no, absolutely fucking love it. Um, Roman is pictured backstage shortly after this. Um, he gets whacked in the back by Elias with a guitar, um, who is almost who is also dressed in a kimono. Um, nice, more like a Bailey jacket, but yeah, it's a daring choice. Um, I must admit, but yeah, no, he manages to pull it off. He enters to no music. Kind of cool. Impact of the guitar is really fucking heavy, isn't it? It's like that thing just crumples. It was a good hit. Yeah. Um, he sits in the middle That's of... Same. Yeah, really, really nice. Um, sits in the middle of the ring um, and does his old-style heel shtick. This time he's got an electric guitar, which he acknowledges to the fans because obviously he's broken his wooden one. Um, finishes it by saying that he loves none of us before attempting to leave. Uh, in his promo, he did mess up when he said that Vince knows WWE is in good hands. He stumbles on those words. Yeah. So that's yeah. not going to be going well for him, I don't think. Well, I don't know. It depends whether Vince is actually there at this point. Um, I, I, Vince has a very strange way of working in that he seems to allow a lot more from the people he likes. And I, I always have this feeling that whenever there's a microphone in front of Elias, he's just sat there back in the gorilla position with his headset on, a smile on his face, just going, ha, 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 I love it. You know, like he does. Um, and yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be all there is to it. I think he'll be blind to such a such a um, fumble, to be honest. When it comes to him, obviously, if um, obviously if Titus O'Neil did it, then um, he'd be fired. Yeah, he's not allowed to mention anything about WWE and be, be being able in good hands as he hooked Vince McMahon. Yes, yes. What a naughty <laughs> boy. suspended for it. Yeah, yeah. And don't forget, told um, Vince to allow ladies first and got suspended for that as well. Um, Roman enters as Elias leaves. Um, Superman punches him on the ramp. Um, started to hear some boos um, enter, enter the arena when Roman Reigns does now. Um, uh, well, we called it. Yeah. You're going to shove, it, shove him down our throats. People are going to start booing again. Yeah, exactly that. Um, he, he drags him to the middle of the ring um, and Superman punches him. Uh, this was on the ramp um, when he first came out. It was a Superman punch straight away. Oh, okay. Uh, camera angle was perfect for it. Yeah. Um, but it looked it looked pretty nasty. Well, yeah, but it did look all um, the same as all the other Superman punches because, you know, any other one on the ramp will look exactly the yeah. same. Um, he drags Elias to the ring, spears him with the 14th best spear in the game. This is, of course, behind only Rhino, Edge, Lesnar, Goldberg, Gilbert, Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, Sonya Deville, The Hurricane, Lashley, Tiger Jackson, Moose, and Mrs. 
dad. Um, probably Mrs. Uh, dad. Yeah. yeah. Probably think of more of these as they come. Um, Twelve. Candy Slurray. Candy Slurray. Yeah. Candy Slurray, fifteenth best spear in Charlotte the game. sixteenth oh, best spear in the game. Um, yeah. And of course actually managed to see well you'll know this our audience won't know this but now i know this as well on the second night of super strong style 16 um there was another great spear which makes him the 17th best in the game we'll be discussing that on the podcast shortly um Trail for Monday Night Rollins versus the artist formerly known as Tuesday Night Smackdown Styles Live. Um, That plays. Um, Not too bad. One thing I love more than an in-ring promo or a contract signing is, of course, a compilation of in-ring promos and contract signings. It's a recap. Called a recap. Only if that's the only way one builds <laughs> in one's promotion, of course. Um, I guess so. Yeah, you know, it's WWE, so you yeah, know, they'll do it all the time. To so. be expected. It's fine. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that there, the fact that there was, there was three title matches. All of, in fact, did Kevin Owens get a contract signing? He did, but with Daniel Bryan. But he didn't get one with Kofi Kingston. No. Oh, okay, so there was there was still three title matches, each of which got a um, each of which got a contract signing um, this time. So I can't wait for more contract signings on contract on Monday night contract signing. <laughs> best 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 find some more tables. Yeah, I, you know it's it's a shame about. Um, I don't know how they're going to manage with this twenty four seven title because I mean they're going to literally have to have a referee follow round the champion with a table um, so that he can just set up a contract signing twenty four seven whenever he wants. Is he not? To walk around with a table attached yeah, to Yeah, that would be perfect. That would be absolutely yeah. perfect. Just yeah. sellotape it to his front. Makes, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> oh, truth are you listening? Work for your character. You yeah, that would be, that'd be great. I would love to see R-Truth do that, actually. He could probably make it in such a way that Vince McMahon would enjoy it. Um, because inexplicably, Vince McMahon enjoys everything R-Truth does. AJ's entrance leads to a pop, just as over as he always was. Yep, when it is AJ Styles. <laughs> yeah, he's super dreamy. Yeah, he's super... Uh, lol. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, I flipped it, mate. I flipped it. <laughs> uh, but you do point out that Seth um, got a bigger pop. Yeah, well, he's burned it down. Thing. Yeah, it worked really well. But that always gets a big pop, doesn't it? So. Yeah, of course. Um, AJ farts around in the <laughs> ring before this happens, though. Um, I'm pretty sure Rollins may have lost the gorilla position. Um, but there you go. Uh, maybe before we go into that, you know, uh, two of the best hybrid wrestlers about um, AJ is a big, or was a big influence on Seth when he first started wrestling. Uh, you can even see it now. Uh, you can even see it now with his ring gear. I mean, the guy's 
playing copied yeah him. I mean there's a kind of dichotomy <laughs> there in that AJ's gone for the white and gold and um, Seth has gone for the black and gold um, but there is certainly a there is certainly a very similar style um, across the two I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing I think um, if WWE wanted a storyline that didn't just consist of contract signings um, then they will probably they will probably explore this dynamic a bit more um, and maybe get an interesting storyline rather than just you guys who want a bit of a rock and need to sign some paper in order to do it but you know that's just crazy talk um rollins <laughs> is more over than aj at this stage um, michael cole says he is now known as the beast slayer after you crammed it down our throats michael i guess um yeah um just kind of um i'm just kind of sad actually that roman reigns wasn't in the money in the bank ladder match because it would have been great for him to win and then every single week we'd be able to hear things like it's money in the yard, money in the yard. or or whatever the fuck nonsense that Cole comes out with. Um, with this match, the Universal title feels kind of like it should. You get two big-time, full-time, and fully over workers, just as over in SmackDown Live competitors, battling it out. Um, this is how WWE should book this title moving forward, as I'm sure the fans would appreciate it. Um, fairly good start. Well, yeah, yeah. Go on. they would appreciate it. But, uh, you, you know, this is going to be a one-time thing, don't you? This is going to completely change. This is like a special match they've given us. Like, we've given you a nice match, so now let's give you a load of crap after. Um, ooh, ooh, wow. Jay, thinking um, thinking ahead there. You, It's like you've almost peered into the long-term brain of Vince McMahon with that observation, to be honest. Um Yes. <laughs> Good start to the match. Um, they start feeling each other out with fluid exchanges, ring psychology on display. This is an indie darling versus a Triple H guy who was heavily influenced by the indies. And for a second, if you drop out the commentary and pretend Michael Cole is dead, um, this match could be taking place in the Tokyo Dome, the Electric Ballroom in Camden, or the MetLife Arena in equal measure. Um, Soon, of course, though, a 30-second headlock happens, and we remember we're still in Connecticut. I bet Dave Meltzer jizzed himself at this match. Yeah, well. I bet he was. I bet it was. It was yeah, a good match, though. To be fair, um, well, it'll mark off. It'll mark off at least two stars because it's not in the Tokyo Dome. But I'll have to find out. I might have to find his star rating for this match. Um, 493. Um, well, well, that's not enough, is no, it, really? No, I mean, out of five. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, AJ does a phenomenal drop kick. obviously. Do you reckon it's one of the best drop kicks in the business? It has been for decades. Or a decade. A bit longer than a decade. Nearly two decades. Yeah, no, this guy drops a drop kick like a badass. Yeah. And Seth sells it really well as well. Yeah, I mean, these two kind of really do feel well with each other. Um, they do some they do some great work with each other. Um, Rollins gets the early momentum by being uncharacteristically aggressive as he moves forward. Um, Cole um, actually tells the story a bit better here. Um, they the, the commentary team as a whole kind of well tell it. Um, 
in that his style has changed since um, he's faced Brock Lesnar. Um, I think that's kind of cool um, that they actually managed to talk about the match that's happening in the ring without plugging Papa John's or the WWE Network documentary Chronicle, the Seth Rollins story available now on demand on the WWE Network for $9.99 with the first 30 days free if you sign up now. Go on, sign it. Sign it, you fucking pleb. Why won't you just sign it? God, you're shit. But this comes to an abrupt stop when Cole starts plugging Superstar Showdown. Superstar Showdown. <laughs> Goldberg versus Taker. Cut away. Might be for the WWE title. Lame. Oh, yeah, because that means Kofi's going to lose his belt somewhere. Uh, that's cool. What do you reckon is going to happen? Just Kofi's going to be milling about with a new day at some point, and then Goldberg's going to come down and kick his head in. Because whoever beats Kofi, whoever beats Kofi for that title is going to be a heel. Well, both either of them could be a heel at well, this point. I mean, it doesn't matter which one I it suppose, is. I suppose it doesn't matter which one it is, because even if... But Taker doesn't, but Taker doesn't need to be heel. Taker doesn't need to be heel. Gold, Goldberg off. doesn't need to be heel. Um, I, no, no, no. I don't. Th I think Taker would be turned heel if he attacked Kofi Kingston for a title. I think that would happen. He, he killed Paul Bearer. Yeah. And we're still not here. Paul Bearer is not a sympathetic character. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul Bearer is like that thing that grows out of that guy's stomach at the end of Grindhouse. Like, it, it, he's not he's not a sympathetic character at all. He wasn't sympathetic at the time. Not, none of that finish made sense. Why are you reminding me of the great American Bash, Jay? <laughs> what did I ever do to you to deserve that? <laughs> Sorry, Rich. I do apologize. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I think um, I think whoever it is will be a heel in the US, but obviously in Saudi Arabia, things are very different. Um, they could have killed seven puppies to get that championship, and they will still cheer because that's that's Saudi Arabia for you. Um, yeah. They'll have whichever match they want and they'll cheer for whoever the fuck they feel like because their sweet, sweet blood money paid for it. So, blood money back to the match. <laughs> AJ positioned himself <laughs> on the apron to hit the style splash outside and gets a heel to the head for his trouble. Indeed. Um, and it... I would have really enjoyed that style splash, but clearly. It was just never yeah, I, I don't think WWE would ever allow a a, a style clash from um, the apron to the outside, or at least unless there was a table. Yeah, they'd do it for a table. Um, I mean, yeah, two tables. They'll tease it, and one day they may pull it off. But I think you'd have to get somebody who was capable, both capable of taking it, and also considered disposable in the eyes of Vince McMahon. Um, Seth Rollins is not that man. Now Finn Balor. Finn Balor would take that. And Vince McMahon yeah. would let him. Yeah. Because he's a tiny Irishman. And <laughs> we know how he, he does is hate the Irish. The Irish. Um, suicide dive from Rollins looks as good as anything you will see on the network. Um, also gives Kevin Dunn the chance to lean on his favorite front ring right cameraman you know the one the one who stands just in front of the ring the ring guy he get he i mean we must spend about 
six minutes here looking directly through that guy's eyes um, while Kevin Dunn kind of strokes himself. Rollins kicks AJ repeatedly in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Rollins, of course, goes for his ripcord acid rainmaker knee, um, which is what I'm now going to call it. Um, AJ does something to counter it. What does he do? I don't know. Um, but he goes for us. It's I've forgotten what I've forgotten what he calls his name, but AJ pulls out a lot of his indie moves in this match, which I thought was really cool to mm. see him do. Um, but it's like a, it's like he picks him up for like a. Death Valley Driver, but he flips them over and then and then hits the back of the head on his knee. It was uh, Ty Dillinger's finisher as well, if you remember. Ty Dillinger, Ty Dillinger. But AJ was doing this for years before Ty Dillinger had the that finisher. Doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh dearie. <laughs> Um, yeah, goes <laughs> Styles Clash. Yeah, you know, ten thing. No, no, no. what he like, he like counting? That was his gimmick. Just said ten a lot. Came out at ten at the Royal Rumble. Hi, no, no, not ringing any bells. Not ringing any bells. What it really needs, what that really needs, is for the fans to chant it every time a number is shouted in a in a match for me to really remember it. I think yeah. so, yeah. Maybe that will rejog your memory. Yeah, of course. Um, Unless Vince has just done a really good job of making people forget. Sorry, what were we talking about? What do we forget? One thing we won't be forgetting is, of course, the rollover seesaw and a very nice deadlift buckle bomb frog splash from Rollins. Um, these two just—it's like writing—it's like writing the moves of some epic dancers. These guys are just. Brilliant in the ring. They are. Um, and then Seth Rollins um, places him on the top turnbuckle. Um, he goes up. AJ pushes him off. AJ shoots back up uh, rather quickly. And then AJ slips underneath mm. him. He then pulls Seth Rollins uh, from the second rope. He hits his head on the turnbuckle. Um, he does a German suplex. He rolls over to pick him up into a back suplex position, but normally he would flip them forward. He did that a lot in the Indies. I forgot what it's called, but a really good move. Um, but then Seth Rollins rolled through. And then Seth went to punch AJ. He kicks the arm to block, and then he hits a rack bomb. AKA the Tower Hacker Bomb on Rollins. Um, now, you're using all these names that may be um, alien to some of our listeners and perhaps me, but um, could you just tell me what a Tower Hacker Bomb is? So basically, um, it's a torture rack position. Yeah. So you do the torture rack, yeah. and then you're spinning it out into a sit down power bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I remember oh, that. Yeah. Um, it was probably the nicest exchange from both so far, actually. Um, of course. There's no meta match occurring here as both stand 50-50 in any other promotion. Um, that early stage would have been used to work out who needs to rely on what moves. Um, the faster of the two may be having to use counter-wrestling, while the heavier, more southern-style wrestler would have to utilize desperation slams and innovative slam-based offense. Um, instead, in a 50-50 environment, this match becomes a string of signature attempts, roll-up attempts, and top-rope maneuvers as it moves into the second act. The whole structure is good but it still reeks faintly of pat patterson's piss well 
I would have to disagree with that because I don't think Pat Patterson could piss this out of him anyway. <laughs> um. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's, there is an overarching piece of storytelling that is missing from this match that would possibly be a bit more present um, elsewhere. I don't know whether it's the two of them knowing the style well enough in order to, um, in order to take that storytelling out. But I, I don't know. I, I feel that, there just isn't a meta narrative here between the two of them. There isn't a, a, a match within a match like there is um, in some other promotions at times. I really enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, it was really. It was good. one of the best examples of <laughs> WWE style wrestling that I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, I must admit, they, they are definitely mixing an indie flavor into, into the WWE style. Yeah interjecting it really well they are um but or injecting should but i say that really deep well. and innovative storytelling of the indie promotions just isn't coming across quite as well as it as it should in my opinion um and i think maybe we'd we'll just have to agree to disagree on that um i guess so yeah um yeah. and then it turns into a spot where seth hits a reverse suplex into a sit down front suplex normally he would go for the uh, superplex hit falcon arrow instead but it was already reversed this time mm. uh, that was quite cool to see. yeah uh, really nice spot. good sequence right uh yeah michael michael cole incorrectly pronounced the sequence as a sequence um which i just felt the need to mention um as the third act <laughs> moves in it becomes a war of attrition um top rope sit down from rollins leads to a curb stomp attempt of course they just call it the stomp now don't they um yeah it's just the stomp yeah it was um kind of shades of the ran the famous randy orton rko moment um however in this instance styles stood up um ended up um bringing seth rollins up into a powerbomb position where he then rolled over and hit the calf crusher um rollins managed to roll through and topek um aj <laughs> that's the technical term for it he topeked aj <laughs> yeah, in the face <laughs> after a rollout um styles appeared a little bit dazed um great moonsault float over reverse ddt um from styles um which michael cole described as an oh my god oh my god this man was made <laughs> for play by play um led to a oh, led certainly. to a two count did lead to a two count mm. it certainly did uh both are going to their feet at the same time uh seth hits a nasty looking super kick um both are now back to their feet, striking exchange devolve, dissolves into some great kicks. Yeah, um, Rollins then goes for the stomp. Um, we get a style clash counter in the center of the ring. Um, however, Rollins kicks out. Um, great exchange, perfect example why these two, regardless of what I've said to criticize this match, these two are the best in this business. This is one of the best pieces of um, spot work that you can see in this business. Dial's face when he kicked out his facial expression. Yeah. Sold yeah. it all. It was absolutely fantastic at selling that kind of thing. He's got personality. He's got personality in spades anyway, that man. Um, but he has got a face that is made to run the place. Um, 
I, I, I wanted to say he's got a face for this business, but um, I, I wanted something that rhymed. Um, AJ preps for a forearm, gets caught, ripcord, knee, and stump. Rollins struggles to cover, but gets it and retains um, the curb stomp. Got less kickouts here than the clash. Um, thoughts on that? I mean, throughout AJ's career, um, he's never been afraid to put anyone over at any time. Um, you, you basically ask him to do something, he would just probably do it. Mm. I mean, he's, he's always got the ability to to back himself up. So if he loses the match, he's not really losing that guy. He he always comes out a winner in any situation, even if it is for a title match. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Styles um, comes back to the ring during the celebration. He faces down Rollins. Rollins raises the belt. AJ predictably offers his hand um, officially putting this feud on ice until after SummerSlam um, conveniently and after Saudi Arabia. Uh, I was surprised that no heel turn for AJ. Honest with you, as Ross doesn't have a top heel. So well, I would have thought some, well, something would have happened. Give it a few hours. Give it a few hours. And I'm sure Raw will have a top heel even if they don't turn up very fucking often. Definitely match of the night though. It was pure pure wrestling match. Um yeah, um, I mean if Bailey's if Bailey's win was moment of the night, then this was match of the night as far as I'm concerned. Um It seemed like there was no fuckery from, from backstage, just let him go yeah, out. Um I, I would say that. I would say that there was probably very little um there was probably very little um in the way of backstage involvement in this. I think both of these superstars are at the stage in their career where they are both trusted highly um by everyone backstage uh, Vince is more than willing to vouch for AJ and of course Triple H is more than willing to vouch for Rollins um, in any given situation and both have earned that right um, throughout their fairly storied careers especially in the case of Seth Rollins for him to be able to put together such a good match with um, somebody so much older and more experienced than him um, in AJ without a clear face heel dynamic without a clear um, kind of you lead I'll follow dynamic that comes with that Um, really really good action from both and I'd probably say one of the better matches this year so far it would definitely be on, on the WWE Network as one of the matches of the yeah, year. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, in the in the WWE collections, I'm mm. sure. Um, Cole uses the word wrestle. Um, viewers at home, obviously, collectively go, oh, he thinks they're wrestlers. <laughs> Bless him. Of course, what you can see and hear about wrestling is, of course, on our podcast. Um, that is available on... Um, in our archive for day one of the Super Strong Style Tournament, as well as day two and three, which will drop shortly. We're also thinking of um, perhaps um, looking into our cousins to the east over in Japan and having a look at the Super Junior in a forthcoming show. It's currently halfway through the best of the Super Junior League-based round-robin tournament. Um, Who's your pick, Jay? You got any picks for the best of the Super Juniors at the moment? Do I have any picks for this? Um, El Phantasmo, why not give it to him? I mean, he was he was the ex going in there. Why not make him the winner? Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, they've been very much on um, Dragon Lee, but 
I kind of have this feeling that um, I kind of have this feeling that Marty Skrull is going to come in late in the game and actually actually have quite a bit more of an impact. Will Ospreay obviously um, is kind of neck and neck with El Fantasma at the moment, um, but we'll we'll talk more about that in the future. But I could really see I could really see Marty Skrull kind of picking up um, as the game gets a bit later and picking up some massive wins. So we're just going to take a short break and we'll be back in five minutes. We will minutes. indeed be back in five minutes. We will, um, or it'll be about 30 seconds to you guys because I'll just play an advert and I'll just play one. Just, just give it a little play. <laughs> okay, bye. Hey, Bear, what are you doing? Why, Beard? I'm checking out Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Republic, and Stitcher, which is where you can find the Beard and Bear Power Hour. What wow. Do, I know. Isn't it just amazing? It is. We're on so many different platforms. I know. Were you aware we are also available on Twitter and YouTube? Crazy. Isn't it just that's why every single morning I like to go on those sites, unsubscribe, and then subscribe again so I can have that wonderful experience of subscribing over to us. Over and again. Exactly. And you'll want to do that too. Definitely try subscribing. It feels great. And unsubscribing, subscribing again. <laughs> well, no, don't actually unsubscribe. <laughs> well, actually, just subscribe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, Thanks. We're, we're, we're happy to do that. Thanks. Bit of error. Uh, Neon Turtleneck is next announcing the New Day backstage um, Kofi says something um, here he reveals that her name is Charlie Xavier says something else as well um, fairly good mic work <laughs> pretty meaningless other than to get people in a New Day headspace for Kofi would have been nice to see it a bit earlier um, so that it felt like a bit more of a continuity in the night WWE again plug Mick Foley's announcement of WWE's newest title on Raw um, as we know now, this again is the 24-7 championship. Um, still looks stupid. Mm. Um, Lucha House Party then come to the ring. Um, they underwhelm us all with their mic skills. Um, Lars enters the ring to show off Kevin Dunn's favorite camera angle. Um, he does a slam outside on Metallic. Does the same with Dorado. Sullivan opens up a wound on his head, headbutting Kalisto. Pretty big headbutt. Yeah, headbutting Kalisto. Um, <laughs> maybe his horns are too sharp and that's what it was. Perhaps that's what Perhaps. it was. Perhaps. Perhaps. Mayhaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? He does the powerbomb and Kevin Dunn adds an extra camera angle to it this time. Well done, Kevin Dunn. Yeah. Well done. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> next time he'll shake things up a bit further. I, of course, am more interested to know what match this was supposed to be since nothing was announced. It's almost as if it was all put together solely for Lars to come and beat these people up. Hey, WWE, here's an idea. Why don't you announce a match next time people want to see? 
they have all the competitors come down the aisle. Then you can have Lars come down and beat people up. That way, you get him to beat up six men. There's a sensible reason as to why the house party is out there and the fans get robbed of a match they might like to see. Maybe making Lars have more heat, perhaps that would be a good idea. Would it have been that hard to have, say, Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder and Mojo Rawley already in the ring at this point? Just have them stand to one side. Lucha can do that thing. And then Lars Sullivan has... Six people to beat up instead of three. Also, is it Lars Sullivan's gimmick that he hates Mexicans now? Is that what's going on? Jay? <laughs> probably probably is. He probably is his gimmick now. Obviously, he's been <laughs> fined like £100,000 for something he wrote yeah. a few years back. A few. It was fo- 10. Fo- fo- forum. It was 10. Yeah. It was a bodybuilding forum. I don't know. I, if I carry on talking about this, I'm going to get angry. Why? Uh, why? No, no people need to stop. Stop going out of your way to find people that you don't like and find a way to ruin them because of something they said 10 years ago. Why can't he have grown as a person at this stage? I mean, why isn't that a possibility? I mean, I'm sure if everything we said 10 years ago was all kind of rubbed in our faces or maybe everything we did 20 years ago was rubbed in our faces or somebody decided to have a real issue with something that you said or did or, you know, something that you may or may not have stolen from them, um, you know, it could all become a problem and then it would all go way too far. And the next thing you know, you could end up alone and stranded somewhere that you don't want to be. Kofi and Owens, um, they face <laughs> each other after this. Just, just, going, just going back to that pipe dream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could say that about Fabulous Moolah and her name being taken off the Battle Royal. Um, yeah, I see your point, actually. It's a difficult one, isn't it? And at times, I think the thing is, though, pimping women out um, and them being celebrated for it, um, while other people may or may not have go known what was going on, is a bit different than necessarily. It's, it's still a is she really pimped them out? I mean, I've only just started watching the um, uh, the darker side of the ring episode for Fabulous Moolah, but I, I haven't actually covered one it of those. Time. I haven't covered it at all, but um, yeah, no, I, yeah no. but still, I, I do think that what she is accused of is very different than, you know, some meathead on some forum 10 years ago before they even knew that they had a future in the public eye saying some stuff, some views and opinions that may possibly have changed. I mean, I always like to go back to the um, example of Johnny Gargano's um, slightly transphobic joke that he made back in 2010 um, that didn't lead to a fine um, and didn't become an online shitstorm because he's so dreamy and people like him. Um, Therefore, making social justice warriors look like vindictive assholes who've got nothing better to do than try and get things that they don't like fired from the TV. The simple fact is, though, if you sum up Johnny Gargano, does he come across as a Trump supporter? No, he doesn't. Does he come across as somebody who is um, xenophobic in the way that he approaches stuff? No, probably not. Um, He's more than likely probably voted for Hillary Clinton, um, probably voted for Obama. He comes across as quite a liberal kind of minded guy, especially considering he's from like Oregon or something. I don't know. Yeah. Backwoods of somewhere. Yeah. 
he just doesn't strike me as that kind of person. So, of course, he gets a free pass on that. And it's it could just be that he grew. The time changed around him, very much like times have changed around Lars Sullivan. Um, and I, I severely doubt that Lars Sullivan has holds um, racist views about immigrants at this stage. I, I very much doubt it, um, considering where he, where he works. But either way... It's done. As far as I'm concerned, that's been that's been looked at. It's already said. It also said that um, he was made to take sensitivity classes as well yeah. as the fine. Yeah. Uh, that must be so boring for a guy like him. Let's 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 see how he goes as 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 a fandom, and you know. If he gets if he gets caught burning a cross on 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 someone's front garden, then maybe maybe look at this again. <laughs> <laughs> but there has to be some point where we say, okay, he was just some idiot twenty year old who said something stupid on a fucking forum, like we all do. At times, I mean, not me. I don't use forums, and I'd never embarrass myself in such a way as to as to make such ridiculous comments, but. You know, that's because I came out the win perfect. <laughs> Kofi versus Owens, of course. Um, trailer for Kofi and Owens, that's okay. Um, get to see some great work from Face Owens. It's actually been some of his better work on SmackDown was his work with The New Day. Um, what did you think? Did you like Goofy, you know, dad Kevin Owens thing going off? Goofy dad Kevin Owens. Yeah. Taking Biggie's spot. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I mean, you could take was. it back to him being with the young bucks, couldn't you? Yeah, um, really. It, wait, he teamed with the young bucks. Yeah, no, I wasn't aware of that. It looks happened. like looks like I have to do some indie research. I think um, it does. Yeah, turn is well executed and nicely enunciated from some good production work. Desaturation filters for the win, nice and colourful when he's a, he- a face, and then he turns heel and it all desaturates. I, I never get tired of this, even though I've seen it every single single fucking pay per view for the last twenty years. Um, the first time I've seen Owens enter the ring for a while, and I have missed him a lot during injury. Um, I know that obviously he appeared um, in the previous pay-per-views, but that was overshadowed by anticipation for other events, obviously. Um, but no, I, I really do like seeing him as a mainstay on the main roster. How about you? You've missed Owens, I assume? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. I'm no, a big he was fan. one of the top heels at the time, but I do, do love his face work as well. Mm. Uh, it's a shame they had to switch him over as Daniel Bryan was injured, shall we say? Um, to yeah. make sure a top heel on the on on SmackDown. Um, yeah, here's what it yeah. is. But he's still there, still doing his Kevin Owens thing. I'm still quite enjoying it. Yeah, um, I, he's not going to be a Bray Wyatt. I don't think he's ever going to. I don't think people will ever get tired of him because he's a character with enough depth and he's expressed in such a good way. Um, Kofi um, enters first to the well, enters second. Sorry to the New Day theme. Um, I feel it's time for a return to SOS. Um, but then. I really like that track. It mixes well with absolutely anything, as you have heard in our archive. 
Uh, we cut to um, Xavier looking on from the back. Kofi looks very much ready for this one. He's obviously been listening to Jim Ross's opinions on his goofiness um, as that is slightly dialed back once he enters the ring. Um, he's still obviously fun-loving. He's armed with a handful of pancakes, but certainly not a platterful. Um, but he has an intensity that's um, not been seen in his earlier work. Um, he definitely looks like he's ready. Does he not? Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, definitely ready. I mean, the match, match starts with a hockey-style brawl. They go at it straight away. Mm. Um, Kofi gets the upper hand. Um, Kofi onto the turnbuckle. Um, Kofi answers with a clothesline out of the corner. Yeah, um, it's a great inside-out bump from Kevin Owens um, from this clothesline. Someone his weight, it's unusual to see one so textbook in its execution, really. Um got to step outside of the storyline in order to just say like for inside insider inside out that that looks great definitely um yeah it's crazy how that guy can move sometimes uh ko rolls to the outside kofi rolls out to the other side of the ring jumps up the stairs hits another clothesline um off the stairs said that already didn't i back in the ring um <laughs> ko takes control slowly or slow slowing down the match uh, down like a typical WWE heel style. Yeah, I mean it's fairly fairly typical for WWE to have um, the high flyer as the face and Kevin Owens um, as the heel, slowing it down. Um, advantage sits with Owens, um, and this makes sense for him, um, even if we have seen at least four of our matches before in this evening. Um, Kofi's style continues to switch up, though. Um, he moves into ground-based strikes to show that he means to take this seriously, um, rather than the counter-wrestling style. Um, he kind of leaned on in the run-up to the Debray matches. Um, he kicks KO when down and even headbutts him at one point. It's a nice and subtle way to show the different level Kofi is starting to play on in order to meet the expectations of his opponents now that he's got that belt. Yeah, he's going to have to turn it up to fucking thousand, isn't he? If he's, if he's going to hold on to that title. Yeah. No, that's, that's... And he's, he's, doing it, he's doing it really well. Um... Mm. And then we come back to KO hits a senton off of Kofi's back, uh, gets a two count, and Kofi crawls uh, to the apron and was able to punch KO a few times before KO takes back control by hitting Kofi off the post. Um, and then he hits a frog splash off the apron to the floor. Nice yeah, that. really nice spot. Nice um, they end up... Um, moving into the second act with that back and forth. Um, he goes for his middling arsenal um, and Kofi starts to fall back into the underdog position we're kind of used to seeing. Um, the fans are still closely behind Kofi. Um, his title run at this stage has been a pleasure to watch and his fans are very much behind it. Um, I think that sentiment's pretty much all round, isn't it? It's been very refreshing to see a champion like Co um, Kofi uh, in, these, in this level of matches. Oh, for sure. Um, it's quite good that the crowd's still behind him because we all know that once that crowd's not behind him, he is going to be in trouble. Yeah, but I mean, it's but great. He may be in trouble before then. <laughs> he very well may be <laughs> in trouble before then. Um, uh, Kofi uh, jumps off the second rope and KO turns it into a powerbomb attempt. Uh, Kofi reserves, reserves, reverses into a back body drop and KO's legs hit the ropes in the corner. That's pretty nasty. 
Yeah, no, that was a really, really nasty back body drop. Um, looked quite impressive um, overall. Um, but, yeah, it's it's really good back and forth between the two throughout. Um, Owens counters a New Day double leg drop into a Boston Crab. Um, Kofi breaks, but he ends up struggling to his feet on the ring apron. For some reason, I have a feeling we're going to hear Cole point out this is the hardest part of the ring very shortly. And my expectations are met as Kofi transitions into a nasty-looking double stomp from a standing position with help of the top rope for leverage. Did you? Did you notice this? Did you notice this? It was, um, uh, how'd you feel about this double stomp? It looked pretty fucking vicious. <laughs> Let's just say you haven't seen it yet. It was absolutely brutal. I would mm. definitely go out of your way to watch this match. Um, yeah. Another, I mean, it was a short match, but it was a very well put together match. Yeah, yeah, really well put together. Um, it makes great sound. Looks pretty hard fucking hitting, to be honest. Um, he goes for a rope spin jump a la Super Mario World. I assume he confused Kofi for a um, block that he could spin through in order to grab a, a dragon coin because um, it looked very, he looked very unsure on his feet as he went for it, and I'm not quite sure still what he was trying to achieve. Um, but he gets super kicked in the face by Owens um, on the outside. And then KO rolls Kofi into the ring for the two count, and then Kofi jumps over a pop-up powerbomb. Yeah, Kingston um, runs through a stunner attempt from Owens. SOS for the two. I really like the SOS as a move. Um, it's It looks quite hard to sell. Like, there's... Because you kind of have to... You kind of have to... You kind of have to time it perfectly, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, essentially, you're basically taking a bump, but it's fast and it looks pretty hard when you're hitting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yet to see anybody flub taking it, but I imagine if they ever do, I imagine it, it's not very nice um, and it doesn't look great. But every time I've seen it, it looks absolutely fucking awesome. Um Kofi goes for the Trouble in Paradise. Owens goes for another Boston Crab on the counter. Um, Kingston catches a superkick attempt, drops KO into an STF position before hammering him in the back of the head in a pelvis to back Luthez. You like that? You like that? Luthez. Uh, pelvis yeah. to back Luthez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I would almost call it a Luthez trouser press. <laughs> With punches. Then <laughs> 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 oh, Kofi attempts um, what looks like a dragon sleeper. Uh, KO rolls through uh, with a snapmare. Uh, Kevin hits a pop-up powerbomb for the two count. Um, yeah, at this point, you know that you're kind of moving into the third act, though, of course, because um, KO starts yelling at the fans to, fans to stop clapping. Um, he awaits Kofi to recover, um, who hits... Um, the Trouble in Paradise, Owens rolls out of the ring. Kofi gets him up, rolls him into the ring. Owens hits Stunner, and Kofi grabs the rope on the two count. Fans shout, you suck Owens loudly. Um, it's my non, my favorite non-potato-based insult of the night, just because um, it's one fan who just shouts, you suck Owens! Owens. In a, in a really kind of shrill voice, and it just works for me. I love it when fans can be overheard over the melee. Um, it just just really sets the stage for me. But I don't know. Maybe it, maybe that's just my thing. At least that one fan was engaged, right? 
<laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, the rest of them were all wondering how much it was going to cost them to buy a Coke for their kids. Um, <laughs> Owens goes for a rolling senton from the top, incorrectly called a swanton, by Corey Graves. Um, yeah, I don't how, know why. How, how the hell does this KO rotate like that for a big guy? He's he's must know his center of gravity really well. Blah, blah, blah. I can't say words now, obviously, but it was outstanding. Well, we have can't been even... podcasting an absolute storm up here today, haven't we? <clears throat> so <laughs> lots of words and things. <laughs> but no, you are right. I, I, I have no idea how he is as nimble as he is. His, his like, core must be an absolute absolute fucking brick and his leg strength he could probably he could probably bench press me with like one leg like just just right there and i'm like i'm not i'm not i'm not a skinny guy um ladies and gentlemen i don't know if you imagine me being like supermodel kind of body but um you know that's just my voice my voice kind of betrays that but that's not actually the case um amazingly of course kofi lifts his knee on this sent on um and hits trouble in paradise for the win quick finish wasn't it yeah a little bit yeah it was a little bit underwhelming um yeah that felt flat for me at the end. Uh, great uh, match, uh, but then the finish just seemed a bit rushed. Mm. Like they were told to finish up. Possibly. Yeah, no, that's fair. I um, I understand why that would be so... Um, I mean, I understand why it fell so flat, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Because obviously... You had three false finishes, um, well, three kind of kick-out exchanges to big moves earlier in the night, and obviously that kind of causes that kind of causes this kind of thing to happen. Um, but that's just more a pacing issue overall. Um, some of the card did have pacing issues, but um, all in all, not too bad. Xavier and Kofi then celebrate in the ring, and um, we get the Superstar Showdown trail playing again. Because it likes to plug that Blood Money 3. Yeah, Blood Money 3 is obviously coming to the WWE Network, I believe, on Friday, June the 7th. Um, we will be doing our Blood Money cast. Um, I am where... really looking forward to that 50-man battle royal. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves you heard seeing me correctly. 50 wrestlers will start in the ring. Hmm. Um, a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> a little bit ridiculous. I can't actually see how they're going to pull that off, but, I mean, you know, it's like they're wanting everything to be bigger than it was last time. I I understood the Greatest Royal Rumble. It seemed a little bit out of place considering the time of year it was but and the, and the fact that there was no real stakes to it. Um, I don't think Braun Strowman's ever been seen with that stupid belt, but um, do you remember that belt? He'll probably have it with him for Saudi Arabia. Do you reckon he will? I reckon you will. Uh, you can join us for that red-hot speculation about this glorified house show on our Blood Money cast, where all of the proceeds will go to... Actually, there won't be any proceeds because we're not going to want to make money off that. Um, and if we did, it would be for a charity um, where you know they, they gave it to the families of the victims of murdered journalists because... Did I mention that I hate Saudi Arabia? don't think you did, no. Cool. Well, it's out by now. Um, 
Finn Balor is apparently more scared of um, Andrade than he is in Brock Lesnar, considering the demon is coming out for the Superstar Showdown, but he didn't come out when he faced Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Or in this match that we're going to talk about soon. So WWE the... always use the demon at the wrong yeah. time. I mean, this is one of the things that he said going into this was um, when he first went into the Brock Lesnar match was um, I think that the demon, um, one thing the WWE has taught me is to use the demon um, at the right time. And apparently the right time as far as WWE is concerned is whenever they get handed shitloads of money in order to do it, um, possibly still stained with the blood of murdered journalists and the rights of women um baron corbin the guy with the best music in the world and the worst everything else in the company um comes down the aisle first for the money in the bank ladder match which for some reason some reason that i cannot quite fathom at this point in the night is on last any idea why that might be jay not a clue let's find out (laughs) yeah it is of course interesting how baron now claim now um is accompanied by the announcement that he claims to be um hartford's favorite son they must have had that gimmick backfire as uninformed wwe fans didn't get it at house shows and assumed he was a genuine hometown boy once too often i reckon yeah but in this day and age you can look up where he's from and know yep. exactly where he's from, and that's he's just trying to gain heel here, isn't he? Yeah, um, I mean, I get it, I get it, but uh, there was a point where he was saying, and he is so and so's favorite son without that he claims to be. Um, but then he and... said, uh, WrestleMania, he was WrestleMania's favorite son as well, so yeah, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Um, I don't know, I really like this bit. I don't know why, I just think it, it makes me laugh every time because he's clearly not anyone's favorite son. Um, Finn Balor comes to the ring. Um, I like his abs. <laughs> they make me feel warm inside my happy place. Jay, what do you think about that? I'm happy for you. Excellent. Ricochet's entrance tells us he is over as fuck. I legit feel he will get a shock transitional title run this year. It's um, nice to see Ricochet give the case back. Hmm. What case? Oh, the the briefcase that he took on SmackDown. Oh, yeah, no, that was. I, I mean, he should have just kind of kept ran it. away with it. Yeah, kept it. Yeah, kept it. He would have been the perfect guy to have this. Um, Andrade comes down the aisle. He's accompanied. He with... says he didn't get it. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps he did. <laughs> Andrade. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe that's what happens. Yeah. Um, Andrade comes down the aisle. He is accompanied by Alistair Black's wife. Um, why isn't more being made of this, Jay? Because they've made it very clear in the promos that they are business partners. Another man's wife. Terrible. Um, Ali <laughs> comes down the aisle to a mix of... Uh, yeah. It's, it's Ali. Yeah. Lots of um, lights and stuff is what I put here. I recognize him from before WrestleMania is what the fans are all saying. Um, Drew looks as good as ever. 
I suppose there's not much you can say about him. Um, other than that, it's Drew McIntyre. He looks exactly as he did two years ago when I saw him. He looks exactly as he has since he's been good. Um, Randy Bow Banders meanders to the ring. Oh, my God, that rhymed, and I didn't even expect it to. Um, Corey asks what he can bring to the table other than experience. Shitting in bags. <laughs> my thoughts are a good fallback if someone gets injured on their way up the ladder. You know, like the, the he's working. The, he's working another match. This is insane. He's actually working a match. Well, yeah, yeah. It wasn't I mean, much of it, but he definitely was definitely there. <laughs> well, he was there. He was there long enough for somebody to tick him off on the register. So, I mean, that's that's good. He's getting paid. Yeah. Right. Um, match starts off with a pairing off of all the key players. Orton stands by the announce desk, slowly backdrops peeps into a table, getting Ali, Bala, and Ricochet with the exact same move from exactly the same position. It's like he's on SmackDown versus Raw circa 2007 on the PlayStation 3 and has just realized what Square does, um, which, of course, would be his environment move shortcut button. You really like my wit today. I can tell I'm tickling you just right, Jay. <laughs> Randy Orton. Yeah. He thinks he can wrestle. He pretends to be a wrestler. Yeah. But really, yeah. we all know he's just there to be backstage in catering, thinking that bag looks nice. Yeah, yeah. There's a <laughs> there's a good bag for me to to shit in. I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're focusing much on the shitting in bags things. Apparently, apparently he also um, played quite a pivotal role in the plane ride from hell, um, which I will research and tell next time on the podcast. Um, that well, the next time we're on a podcast where he appears as a competitor. Um, in fact, in fact, let's play a game. How many stupid backstage stories about one arsehole Randy Orton is? Do you think I will be able to find? Do you think I'll be able to get to SummerSlam on this podcast by telling a different stupid backstage story about what an arsehole Randy Orton is? Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, let's fucking yeah. do it. Anyway, back to the action and uh, ricochet. <laughs> he does a somersault plancher and then he slips on the top rope. Poor ricochet. Um, Andrade, he does a great shotgun drop kick um, as Orton climbs the ladder shortly after. Corey Graves states it's like the walking dead with ladders just as Corbin enters the ring with a ladder. I think it's a bit harsh, Corey, but accurate in regards to Corbin's ability. Good shout, um, right? Good yeah, shout. Good shout. Ali good and shout. Ricochet end up in the ring, have some fluid exchanges, which isn't the kind that you think it is, and I've only just read that now, realizing <laughs> how ridiculous that sounds. No, yeah, fluid so basically, so fluid. basically they're, all, they're both trying to climb the ladder, pulling each other the ladder, hitting each other in the corner. But is that the exchange you're on about there? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. Fluid exchanges were into a ladder. <laughs> Corbin and McIntyre start throwing peeps around into ladders. Orton hits his DDT thing on Corbin. You know, the one where they're on the second rope. Yeah, you get it. No one's ever bothered to name it. The draping DDT. Draping DDT. No one's ever called it a draping DDT. The draping DDT. 
Is, is that your name? On the rope or hanging is... DDT if you like. So in 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 half a second you managed to come up More for a name. Right. But yeah, you you managed to come up with a Let's name for on. a move that Orton hasn't bothered coming up with a name for for like fifteen years. That's all I'm saying. Orton's so lazy. Um, anyway, it's his DDT thing, draping DDT thing on Corbin. Um, Corey says it's like Randy Orton is sticking with what works. Again, describing the last 15 years of this man's career. Ali and Ricochet have a back and forth to try and get up the ladder. Uh, McIntyre and Corbin stop Ali and Ricochet as they both climb to the ladder to set up a ladder in each corner and throw them into ladders on either side of the ring yeah i mean out of all of the competitors um mcintyre comes across as probably the biggest threat in this piece doesn't he um i mean for the most part like he's used yeah, sparingly no, he, and he is used sparingly and you think that he possibly could have been the one to win it i mean my money mm. was on indrade um mm. But no, he looks strong in this match. But he always does. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, Balor puts in some great work overall with a prone Corbin and McIntyre in the ring. Um, while Andrade shuffles him off the ladder with some really underwhelming ladder nudges from the floor. Starts building structures. In this instance, he puts a ladder in the center of the ring, places another ladder in between the center rope and the middle rung of the ladder that is already stood in the ring and then climbs the opposite side of the ladder. Finn climbs up, gives some punches before Andrade delivers a sunset flip through the ladder looks absolutely fucking incredible does it not it it does it looks absolutely brutal when Finn bounces um, back off the ladder into the air hits the ladder again but mm. yeah I don't think that ladder was supposed to move the way it did I don't think it was uh, supposed to drop first um, uh, and then it, it took an even bigger bump yeah, I mean, um, it's a really great spot, though. It's one we'll be genuinely seeing in highlight reels for years to come. Um, I don't think they're going to have a Money in the Bank ladder match for another 10, 15 years without showing it that sunset flip. Um, fans start chanting Yowie Wowie in response to this. Did you notice this? I did, I did. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. This is one of my favorite parts of the entire fucking night. Um, I'm really glad to hear Braze is over in Connecticut as he is in our hearts. Um, Ali ends up in the middle of the ring shortly after climbing the ladder. He ends up halfway up the ladder. He slips into a tree of woe position on the ladder. Him and Andrade end up fighting at the top across two ladders. Chicago fly from Mustafa Ali um, from the ladder to the ring. Looked almost as good as the full metal mayhem Mexican fly from LAX at Impact last month. However, that was through a table and onto the ramp. The WWE ladders are taller, so mileage may vary on this one. Either way, it's the best Chicago fly I've seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, at least they will land on the head and took them out of the match. Like, it true. did happen to Phoenix. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty sweet um, Chicago fly as we're going with. Um, yeah, no, it was a pretty awesome spot. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Mm. Um, McIntyre at this point gets out WWE's trademark big ladder, um, the one that's so big. Sting used it to get to work on Monday mornings um, back in the nineties. 
You know the one. That one. Really the rafters. Yep. Climbed it. Made of wood. Indeed. Uh, McIntyre, in the meantime, while this is all happening, um, goes um, and makes some big plays in ring with Mustafa Ali, does he not? Um, he does. McIntyre tries to slam Ali into the ladder, but he slips behind and hits a super kick on McIntyre. And from seemingly nowhere, uh, Corbin hits a choke slam on Ali through the announced table. Yeah, Corbin starts really plugging this kind of um, this kind of chokeslam thing kind of towards the end of the match. It's like it's so devastating to everyone involved. It's almost a wonder that he doesn't always fucking do it because, like, genuinely, I've never seen him do a single person chokeslam. <laughs> Maybe I don't watch Monday Night Raw enough. I don't know. Um, but he goes on an absolute rampage with it. He takes out Bala as well as Ali um, through a table. Ricochet gets caught with a deep six while he's trying a suicide dive. Um, awesome. Baron. Yeah, really, really, really good moment, actually. Um, Baron looks set to win before a Claymore from McIntyre um, hits him. Sadly, it does show more light than the WrestleMania stage this year. Um, it connected about six yards from Corbin's face, and it's entirely Corbin's fault for being such a pussy. Yeah, the light on yeah. that. The light. Yeah. So bright. Really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Bala... Um, and Drew, they end up in the ring. Ladder ends up down in the center of the ring. Bala ends up suplexed onto said ladder, followed by a slam on Andrade onto the ladder. This is one of those um, Andrade's in a tree of woe position yet again, but this time over um, over McIntyre's back, who then flips him over in a way not dissimilar to everybody who ever watched wrestling as a prepubescent child did to their teddy bears while they were throwing them around the room. Um, Ricochet interrupts. Don't don't look at me puzzled like that, all of you listeners. You know you did it. Um, Ricochet interrupts Drew climbing the ladder with a springboard clothesline, gets thrown out um, the ring by Drew into a setup ladder, splitting it in half. Um, wow. Just this bump from Ricochet. Really nice, is it not? It is. He went straight through that wooden ladder very cleanly. Mm. Yeah, he went through that. What do you mean wood? <laughs> no, if you put if you paint it silver, then it becomes metal. Right? Is, is yeah. that the rule? Yeah, that's how it works. All oh, right. It's just it like, like definitely looked wooden. No, 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 no. It was wooden, and then they painted it silver, and then it was, and then and then it was metal. Oh. I'm gonna try that with some tables. See what happens. Well, yeah, yeah. Do it, do it. It reinforces it. That silver paint is great, mate. Um, and RKO's drew off the ladder out of nowhere. Well, somewhere. Everyone saw it coming. Mm. Well, yeah, a little bit, actually. Flips him um, off the or- ladder. RKO. <sighs> Mm. Orton was kind of just sleeping outside the ring for like most of the match. Um, probably just underneath to wait the ring his... and just waited for the spot watching a TV just so he can roll back out again whilst eating yeah, like a probably... sandwich or something underneath the ring. <laughs> just kicking it with Hornswoggle. And, yeah, um... probably. Having a party. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah having a party. He invites um, Titus Worldwide in. Um, yeah. 
Well, that sounds about right. Uh, Baron rams Orton into the ring post, starts climbing. Ali is on his back. Corbin and Ali end up over the top. Um, all a bit confusing at this stage. Ali's moment looks set as he climbs the ladder. And, and then, then... Here comes the pain. Indeed. Um, in fact, shall I... Shall I... Shall I? Yes, I think I will. No, I won't because I can't find my downloads folder. Never mind. I was going to just whack into Brock Lesnar's music at that point, but you can just, in fact, I'm going to. That's, that's Brock Lesnar's music. Um, sure. I'm doing that again. My throat's really dry now. Um, Brock Lesnar's music hits, and the room collectively realizes why this match um, was. Last, Lesnar throws Ali off the ladder, climbs the ladder at the top, and takes money in the bank. <sighs> Thoughts? Couldn't Ali, instead of steering up Brock Lesnar, run down the ring, push the ladder onto a cameraman, just unhook the briefcase? Mm, no. <laughs> Too busy being shocked, too easy. Jay. Too easy. Too busy being shocked. Too busy That's being shocked I mean. that Brock Lesnar yeah. was at the top of the ramp at the stage, staring at him, waiting for him to run, run down, knock over the ladder, hit the cameraman on the head, to then jump into the ring to then push the ladder. Didn't even do an F five. <laughs> well, this is the. <laughs> I have a feeling that Mustafa Ali's thing is that, like, when something something truly threatening comes at him, he's like one of those rather than fight, rather than flight, he's more of a freeze kind of guy. And I reckon that's the story they were trying to tell. Was that if he ever turns around and sees that a train is heading right for him, Mustafa Ali is gonna be mashed by it. That's what I think. Like a deer in headlights kind of situation. Yeah, that's what I reckon. That's what I reckon it was. I reckon that Mustafa Ali is a proverbial deer. What I have read though is that Ali mm -hmm. was supposed to win, and they changed it to Brock Lesnar on the evening. Or just changed it. Yeah, just changed it. What actually, while the match was going on? Um, it may have happened before. No, no, he was penciled in. Apparently. Okay. Um, well, that's cool because it means that you don't have to fuck around with your actual, your actual kind of match structure, doesn't it? Guess so. But I mean, having an unannounced competitor just steal it that isn't Bray Wyatt. I mean, that that's daring. I have my money though. I I I I think I at least like if I had a better pound on this, I think I should have at least got fifty p back because <laughs> someone someone came in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my bet it. was that someone listed on that no one listed on that card would win it. I mean, you heard it here here first. You heard it here first on our pre-show. That is definitely what my bet was. So, you know, technically, I sold money in the bank. Guess so. I guess you did get it half right. So, <laughs> well, it was a big other half, though. It was a big Brock-shaped other half. Um, all in all, what were your thoughts on this pay-per-view? And 
shot that is quite good (laughs) (laughs) so they churn out all this bollocks up until the pay-per-view and Vince goes home and hopefully Triple H took over and made it into a great pay-per-view maybe that's what it was maybe Maybe it just was maybe that's what happened Um, um, (laughs) top to bottom I can't really disagree with much um was this? Do you feel this is probably one of the better ones of the modern modern era, really, as far as as far as pay per views go that didn't have the NXT logo on it? Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the best ones in the last couple of years for WWE as a whole. Mm. Yeah, Hands definitely. Um, um, yeah, it actually made me want to watch Raw, so that's what what it's there for. Fucking um, hell! Really? Yeah, to see what the fallout is kind of know what's going on though yeah um, just a quick roundup because obviously obviously it's now Tuesday when we're recording this and we've we know that we're three hours in um, or we're about to be three hours in Um, (laughs) anything interesting going on so quick roundup Uh, both Seth and Kofi Kingston want to face Brock Lesnar they're asking him to cash in on them which makes Mm -hmm. the money in the bank briefcase larger than both top titles at this point Um, Braun versus Sammy Braun wins Lucha House Party attacks Lars Sullivan yep doesn't look like it goes too well we get Ricochet versus Cesaro again (laughs) Ricochet versus Cesaro great just put the two bold guys together AJ slaps Baron Corbin so it looks Mm. like AJ is going to job to Baron Corbin uh, Shane wants to yep. face Roman. Um, Usos versus the Revival, and the Revival beat them. Yeah. So that's a push in their direction. Uh, obviously, you get the mm-hmm. Firefly Firefly Funhouse, which I haven't seen yet. There's another one. There is. Oh, I'm gonna have to search that out. Uh, we see the kids let him in. Oh, have you seen his T-shirt? Go on. Um, basically, it's a 70s style um, TV show kind of T-shirt, but in a cartoon. Uh, in a basically, um, yes, yeah, cartoon 70s style. Holding a chainsaw, the chainsaw down. It says "Let me in" on the chainsaw. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what this translates to in the ring. Looks like a really Bliss is back in the ring. Oh, joy. Yeah. And the 24 um, 7 really championship. Actually, looking yeah. through it, I'm not sold on it either. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we are going to be, um, unless something massive happens, we are going to be moving slightly away from our WWE content over the next week or so. Um, obviously, it's very important that we cover as much of the interesting wrestling as we possibly can without having to talk about the same six or seven superstars like Roman Reigns and them doing contract signings for really predictable feuds. Um, so most of the main product is garbage when it's on TV. Over the next few weeks, um, we will be looking at 
at the rest of Super Strong Style 16, which is obviously um, day two and day three, is still yet to drop. We are currently working on those and doing our research. On Saturday of next week, there will be um, the Double or Nothing pay-per-view event. We will be watching, we will be both conducting a pre-show um, later this week, as well as um, watching a post-show at the end of next week. Um, further than that, WWE will be having their Blood Money 3. This is from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, on June the 7th, um, which will, of course, be in three Fridays' time now. Um, we'll be covering that um, and probably doing a recap show um, next week. Um, what are you most looking forward to over the next few... Um, oh, and of course, I completely forgot to mention... Um, oh, yeah, I will mention that... Um, Next week, there is NXT TakeOver 15. That is on Saturday, June the 1st from Bridgeport, Connecticut. It is the 15th TakeOver event. It will be on the WWE Network. Um, there are some matches already announced for it. Um, we will be doing a pre-show for that um, and then a post-show as well. That is on the weekend of June the 1st. Um, so please keep an ear out for that. So next show's coming up. As I say, you got your, you got your um, Super Strong Style 16, 2 and 3. Then, of course, we've got Double or Nothing. That will be next weekend. And then the weekend, or this forthcoming weekend, sorry, and then the weekend after that will, of course, be NXT TakeOver. Do you think we missed anything there, Jay? No, that sounds about right to me, Rich. Of course, um, we are still awaiting for progress to um, have their um, electric ballroom show on Sunday. Um, that will, of course, be followed by an episode of the podcast the moment it drops on Progress Wrestling's app. Um, and then we get a little bit of a break before um, the Tacoma, Washington, June 23rd pay-per-view, which, do you know the name of the June 23rd pay-per-view? I do not. You ready for this? I am. Stomping grounds. Excellent. Yeah. Stomping grounds. <sighs> I think my science says it all. Yeah, I think it really does. Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else you need to plug, Jay? I think we're all we're all done here. I think all the plugins been plugged. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show. Yep. And um yeah, do remember that wherever you go, there you are. I have no idea why I picked this song. I literally have no idea why I picked this song. Well, you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now I've committed to it, so I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so we started with Bailey and Abba, and now we're going out with 
Ruth Etting. Oh, 1929. Yeah. I originally wanted to mix this with Brock Lesnar's theme, um, but I couldn't get a lock on either of their um, on either of their BPMs, so I just thought I'd go out with it. Awesome. That's a new um, leap into the podcast. It was really just for this line. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't kill me, Brock. Care of yourself, you belong to me. Bye, everyone. <laughs> 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 Oxen bond.